It is a new year. It is a new decade. But it is the same old CSP here to catch up with you all with our weekend review where we're going to chat about all the things we've been up to, all the wrestling, all the news, all the all the culture we've soaked up. And also, folks, it's our 2019 uh, year-end award special. So we've got a, a whopper show lined up this evening for you. Uh, obviously, we had our decade uh, awards last week. Uh, if you haven't heard that yet, you can hear it on the very same feed you're listening to this on. Uh, this year, we will just be going 2019 specific. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever dependable co-host. First of all, we got Mr. Joe Towner. Hi there, Barry. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. Happy 2020, lads. First, uh, uh, first show of the second decade of the Chair Shop podcast. Yeah. Um, and I know, obviously, anyone who, who ran a show in 2019 and then today could say that, but we genuinely were, we ran the length of, of the 2010s, didn't we? Um, yeah. We really should have started December 2009. Then we're gonna done three by now. So. Oh, three decades, yeah. Missed missed out on that. <clears throat> I saw I saw a statistic that said um, uh, Dustin Rhodes has wrestled in five decades now, and I, I'm assuming he's 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 squeezing by with like he must have wrestled in seventy nine, maybe. Uh, oh wait, no, that wouldn't make sense. Wait, what, this wait. is one. Last year was two. Season, season, no, season, three, four, five. Yeah, 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 that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, we've been doing this half as long as he's been wrestling, I guess. Um. So yeah, uh, this is uh the first show of the year. We're going to get to our usual features, and uh, we're going to squeeze in our awards here as we go. Uh, so I think there's no better way to kick things off than with our, a little bit of life guff. We're going to catch up here over the fire as we all settle back into our, our, our regularly scheduled routines um, as we uh, uh, you know get back to, to work and all this other stuff. Um, what about yourself, Paul? How was Christmas? How was New Year? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, Barry. Um, working over Christmas, obviously. Only had Christmas mm. Day off. It was real quiet though, and I was working from home, so it was a little bit like a holiday. Except the first day, there was a big uh, server outage, and I was on a call for two hours trying to get that fixed, and that was a bit of a pain in the hole because it started like thirty minutes before I was supposed to stop working. So I was working until half five, um, which was long and hard, not like a penis, but like oh, oh God. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Starting uh, the year off strong. Got a problem with your penis not being long and that have a Bluetooth promo code, whatever. Um we're leaving the promo code jokes in twenty nineteen, folks. Um But yeah, I was working at Christmas off. Christmas was lovely. We did the whole Brazilian Christmas and then the uh the old Irish Christmas. My plan to give Natty the presence in a specific order to get the best reaction worked perfectly. I was very happy with that. Nice. Got her, gave her a little Kindle, right? She go, oh, Kindle, that's what I asked for. Love that. Then I gave her a tablet case. Mm-hmm. And she go, but this is too big for the Kindle. And I go, oh, oh, oh wait a minute. What's this third present? The old Pat Parson, Jared Briscoe running. It's the <laughs> tablet is here. 
Um, <laughs> so she's very happy with that. Um, I got me lovely earphones that I wanted. Been using them since. Loving them. Got some good Blu-rays and and uh, games and that. But um, yeah, I've been kind of working. Like I, the only day we were closed Christmas Day and we were closed New Year's Day, and the only day I took off for myself was New Year's Eve. So that was my Christmas holidays basically. So it's been just aside from that a bit of work, um, just taking it easy. I still haven't had a chance to get out to see, um, you know, the new Star Wars movie or the new Jumanji or. I wouldn't bother with the old Star Wars. Jumanji is good. See Jumanji. Jumanji. I've watched the fucking the ten Star Wars movies. I come this far, I might as well watch the eleventh one. Um. But I'm not. I obviously haven't been in a rush to see it. Obviously, um, but uh, that was kind of it. New Year's was very quiet, and just in with the family. Um, stayed up till half three, playing uh, the the chase card game that I bought <laughs> Aldi for like a euro, which was I like, thought you were going to say Pokemon or something. Nah, beat beat that already, mate. Got all the Pokemons. There's nothing left to do with it. Um. And then I was up until half three New Year's Eve, had New Year's Day off, so slept in until whatever, half one in the afternoon. And then I was working the next day, so I was in, up at seven in the morning again. And let me tell you, one day to go from half three in the morning staying up to seven in the morning getting up is too short a time to uh, recalibrate. I don't know how anybody does it. I was a zombie. Um, but that was it. What about you guys? Did you get up to anything more exciting than me? I had uh, probably my most uneventful uh, New Year's ever. Um, Very good. I was uh, quite tired, and uh, me and my roommate and some others planned to go to... There's a, uh, a barcade after opening Limerick. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were going to go there. Uh, but it kind of seemed like everyone was kind of tepid on it. And so... Um, the day of, I was just like, yeah, any interest in this? And they, people were kind of like, yeah, yeah, not really. And so I ended up doing literally nothing. I stayed in, uh, and I found myself watching the RTE countdown special, which was a, which was as pathetic as it sounds. Um, uh, so that was a, 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 a very, very muted uh, New Year's. Christmas is all right. I went home for Christmas, had a nice time. Uh, uh, you know, got some nice gifts, relaxed. Uh, as I discussed on the last show, I was off quite a bit over Christmas, so that was good. So I, 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 I just, I just chilled an awful lot over Christmas. Um, no, no real scandal. What about yourself, Joe? What you get up to? Uh, Christmas quite fun. The uh, the lead up, I was trying to build up um, mm. to the actual the actual Christmas day. It's not more fun. Um, we went out and saw the new Star Wars, went to a couple of museums, the uh, London Transport Museum in in uh, Covent Garden in London, which was very interesting, um, kind of history of, of transport in the, in the capital. Only thing is, we went on the um, Saturday after Christmas, and it was full of kids. There was about oh, 30, no. 30 million toddlers in there, just, cl- just climbing on things. They weren't interested in the history of the tube and how it expanded you know the, the urbanization of london out to the out to the countryside all they wanted to do was climb on things and chew on things and run around annoying um but it was very good um other than that we basically spent the whole of the post christmas period including new year uh being sick so uh, oh, both, no. both both unwell 
Um, spent about three or four days without leaving the house at all. <laughs> Just sat there being ill. So that wasn't that wasn't great. Um, and then went went back to work on Thursday. Worked from home Friday. And I feel like I feel those two days I just about managed to get through back to the weekend, back to the final kind of knockings of Christmas. So that's it. And we've just taken the uh, the decorations down about an hour ago. So house is looking a bit bare, but uh, you know, here we go. Twenty twenty. So it's all good. Right, it seems like we all had uh, our, our, our you know relatively nice um, uh, festive seasons. That's good. The new decade is here. Uh, so we're going to just get straight on with the uh, 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 with the various guffs. Before we jump in to our first guff, though, what we uh, we we do our first award here. I think what we're going to do is we will uh, we'll do our entertainment ones first, um, and we will uh, uh, then move on to uh, the wrestling awards as we did in our decade awards. Um, and I notice here, as I scroll through our rundown of things we're going to discuss today, we don't actually have a music guff. We don't have a, uh, a, you know, an album review or anything like that to get to. So why don't we kick off with album of the year? And then we will tie the other uh, awards into their respective guffs. Um, uh, so uh, would anyone care to go first there on album of the year? I think I only this... li- I think I only listened to one album. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think I actually listened to any. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was just looking through the top fifty albums of the year. Uh, hadn't heard any of them. No. Um, the only albums I looked at the top selling albums of twenty nineteen, and a lot of them were from twenty eighteen. Right. <laughs> Which were the ones I kind of had heard. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'll without further ado give my award which is to the album AJ Tracy by the rapper AJ Tracy. Um listen to a couple of, there's one song on there that I absolutely love. It's kind of a throwback garage track, which is great. Uh, there's also the song Tiago Silva, which became quite well known uh, due to a performance at Glastonbury where some lad got up and, and rapped along with it. Mm. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah, good album. I haven't listened to that much, um, but it's going to win my album of the year. Also, his name is great because it sounds like an early 2000s indie wrestler. So, AJ Tracy, you're the winner. Oh, man. I'm, I'm really just struggling here to check. Like, Did I listen to anything that came out in 2019? Uh, God, I don't think I did. Apart from the one that I'm already aware of, because I listened to it as soon as I think the day it came out. Um, no, everything that I think of as being like new is for, is either, as Joe said, from like 2018, 2017. Mm-hmm. And no, none of the groups I like who are modern, or none of the artists that I like who are, who are modern, brought out in 2019. So. I'm going to have to then, by default, the two sweetest words in the human language, give my album of the year to Kanye West, uh, Jesus is King, which actually I quite enjoyed. So, well done. Fair enough. Um, 
yeah, I you know I'm not, I'm not a big music head. Uh, I didn't listen to a whole lot this year. Uh, I mentioned uh, Post Malone's album. I listened to there a few weeks ago. Enjoyed quite a bit. Hollywood's Bleeding. Uh, Hosier had a new album this year that was just all right. I was a bit disappointed by that, but you know it was okay. Um, oh, what is the name of this thing I'm thinking of? I think. <laughs> It's been one of those years, folks. I think we should maybe should start with a stronger category here. Then, well, no, we're getting this. We're getting this one out of the way. Oh, we get it out of the way. Forget yeah, it. yeah, because we didn't. We don't. We don't even have a music guff uh, to do. Uh, yeah, probably my favorite. It's more of an EP than an album. Uh, but I really enjoyed "Fever" by Megan Thee Stallion. Really great album. Um, I pro- probably my most listened to this year. So I, I would. I would give it to "Fever." Uh, but yeah. So that's 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 that category out of the way. Um, yeah, four albums we heard last year. That was the top three. So yeah, enjoy those. Enjoy those. Um, yeah, so they can put the, uh, all three of those can put the uh, the recommendation on the back of the box, which is also not a thing people do anymore. Um, anyway, let's uh, jump into a, a bit of telly guff here. Uh, I assume we all got a, a, a bit of the Owls television watched over the, the Christmas break. Yeah. Uh, I watched the uh, the latest uh, Netflix true crime phenomenon, uh, Don't Fuck With Cats, mm-hmm. um, which is a story I had sort of been kind of familiar with bits and pieces of it. I was not really familiar with, that, with the grander narrative until this documentary came out. Um, it is about a collection of uh, internet nerds in Facebook groups who try and uh, use internet sleuthing techniques to uh, get to the bottom of a series of videos where uh, an unknown person uh, uh, kills uh, uh, animals uh, in in sort of grotesque ways Um, and that spirals from there into this whole twisted uh, conspiracy and, and, and a real life murder uh, and things like that. And uh, the the one aspect of the story I was familiar with was this ties into uh, the news story from a few years ago of someone sending uh, dismembered body parts to Canadian um, government parties. The, the the both the Republican and the and the Liberal parties got um, severed human parts in the post there a couple of years ago. This is tied into that story. Um, so, uh, but yeah, uh, really, really, really trends. It's it's a three part mini series. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a pretty quick watch and it's pretty addictive too. The first episode is excellent, uh, as is often the case. The kind of the, the follow-ups where you get the answers is not nearly as tantalizing as when the questions are asked. But uh, strong, strong, strong recommendation if you like your uh, your true crime. Uh, yeah. So that that was about that was the only thing really of note I, I caught up on uh, over the break. I did start Witcher show on Netflix, uh, but I'm only two episodes in, um, and it's. It's not grabbing me. It's not grabbing me, but I'll, I'll finish it and I'll report back. Yes. Um, I'm struggling to think of any telly I watched over Christmas. We mainly watched uh, Gilmore Girls. Okay. I think we got through three seasons uh, in, in December. Um, so that was, our, that was our big go-to. And I'm pretty into it now. Michelle's got me hooked. Um, it's a fun show, lots of uh, kind of rom-com elements to it. So, looking forward. Here's another three seasons to go. So we'll plow through those in January, February, hopefully. Um, apart from that, I watched the BBC's reboot of Wurzel Gummidge, which oh yeah, I know we were all um, 
all anticipating yes uh for christmas 2019 uh i was a fan of the, the show when it was on i think you have to be of a certain age to remember it because it mm. was on kind of sort of mid 80s late 80s um for anyone that doesn't know it's about a scarecrow a living humanoid scarecrow who gets up to adventures basically um, the BBC have done a reboot with Mackenzie Crook from The Office, uh, little Gareth. Um, he plays the, the main role and also wrote and directed it. It's very impressive. Um, so that was fun. That was that was a good little show. Um, good good kind of family fun. Hmm. A few jokes. Um, kind of looked beautiful as well. It's set in the countryside, obviously, and um, had some beautiful kind of socks, um, shots and soundtrack as well. It was great. Um, so a big thumbs up to that. Um, BBC also did a new version of Dracula, but I think that started on New Year's Day. So I'll review that in next year's award show. <laughs> but that was good. That was good as well, actually. The first episode was um, was brilliant. Second and third not so strong, to be honest. But that for that first one really had me gripped. Um, the guy playing uh, Dracula was fantastic. Kind of balanced. Yeah, it was quite funny, but very gruesome as well. So I really, really, really recommend that first episode, at least. Not necessarily parts two and three. Uh, did you watch that uh, Christmas Carol reboot they did? Nah, couldn't be bothered with that. Okay. Heard, it, heard they took a few liberties with it. Um, I prefer the, the original canon um, with Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, yeah, no, I wasn't, wasn't really into that. I either, yeah. either want something that's kind of close to the original or completely off kilter. Yeah. Like the Muppets or Scrooged with Bill Murray. Mm. You know, a, a, a completely different kind of take on it, but something that's just like a gritty reboot. Not not particularly interested. Um, I, I'm not going to... I haven't included all the Christmas films I watched uh, on the list. I, I, I did all the hits, your Die Hard and, and all of that, but I did watch uh, uh, The Muppets Christmas Carol again, and, oh, God, it's wonderful. Oh, what a what a, what a classic. Terrific. Um, but you, Paul? Uh, well, to further elaborate on Joe's getting hooked to <coughs> things you might not normally be into, rom-com elements... Um, <laughs> Etc. It's time for our new segment, Gay Guff. So I like I like RuPaul's Drag Race now. Um, I watched season eight of it on Netflix with Natty. She said, "Look, you gotta watch this season. This season is real good. You gotta watch." It. I said, "All right, let's give it a watch." And then yeah, by the end of it, we were watching like three episodes in a row. And, oh, it's great, great stuff. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um. I kind of miss it now that it's, it's, it's over. We watched because we only watched that one season, even though there's like twelve seasons on Netflix or whatever. I don't really want to watch them all because I, I watched a bit of another season; it wasn't as good. So I'm gonna watch season eleven uh, with her next. But first, I gotta finish the shows that we're watching: Mandalorian, Watchmen, and all them. But uh, RuPaul's Drag Race was actually real fun, and the people on it were like nice. And the competition element of it was like clever and creative, and RuPaul is funny, and uh, it was great crack. Altogether. Yeah, I, I like I like the bits of RuPaul I watched. Yeah, RuPaul, he great. Um, and I like when they have to dance, the the that dance against each other for their life. 
That's how they choose who gets eliminated, who doesn't. I think that should be introduced to all kinds of competition. Um, FA Cup goes to a draw. You have to lip sync for the cup. And all the footballers have to d- dance in their underwear or whatever. That probably is the way to go. That'd be cool. Um, or New Japan. Or New Japan, yeah. Goes to a 60 minute time to draw. Well, we're going to play some Madonna and you motherfuckers are going to dance to it. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to a little bit more of that, but I do want to watch my, my other shows first. Um, almost finished with The Mandalorian. I think I have two left. I'm up to episode seven on that. Um, really, really kind of hit and miss. Really strange as well, because I think I might have mentioned this on the show before, but it's only eight episodes long, so it is a mini-series. So much of it is just, like, nonsense filler that you would have in, you know, that's okay in a 25 episode season um, but there in the six episodes I've watched so far there are at least two that are entirely skippable um, which is a shame because I, what I wanted I don't want to compare it to you know Breaking Bad or whatever but I want a show that is directly sequential that every episode builds on the previous episode but here it's it's like an eight episode procedural where he just goes on a, a, another singular adventure that you know that uh, concludes its arc within the one episode. I'm like, well, why is this not an eight episode like a film, basically? You know, split over eight episodes because it's absolutely not that. And the episodes that are filler are very, very lacking in entertainment as well like they're just not good episodes like there's the last two episodes five and six were, were pretty poor um and not only that but every episode is like a different genre as well like there was one episode the latest one i watched was like a heist movie um then there was one that was like a western then there was one that was kind of like pocahontas basically i i it, it hasn't done a good job of of setting up a unique feel or a unique identity and that's not what i wanted from a, a, a light, frothy eight-episode Star Wars miniseries, mm-hmm. which is a shame. But uh, apparently, the last two episodes are pretty good, so maybe it'll it'll get me back. But uh, God, if you were gonna do so many filler episodes, just do a four-episode miniseries then, and have it be a cohesive four-episode, you know, arc. Instead of just like, imagine like you wake you wait a week for the next bit of story, then it's just a completely non-event other story that happens for the entire yeah. 35 minutes or whatever that's not what I want I want you to tell me it. do it like other TV shows do it. Um, and then I've been watching some old episodes of The Soup like I mentioned a few episodes ago uh, breaking news Britney Spears is going mad and K-Fed <laughs> has got uh, custody of the children and every episode is about Britney Spears because she was all over the news back in the day Britney Spears she's uh, on the run from the cops and she stole a lighter from a 7-Eleven ah. oh my god but I'm enjoying that as well that's all the TV I think hmm. alrighty um, I would say it would make sense then to jump in to the telly guff of uh, the year a word uh, what a se- season what a season um i was a bit disappointed by a number of things this year um 
what have we had? There was uh, Big Mouth Season 3, which was not, didn't quite grab me. Um, I actually still haven't finished that. And that was a show that with those first two seasons, I ripped through those, absolutely ripped through them. Uh, Game of Thrones, obviously. Um, mm. About uh, that's, that's up there for disappointment of the decade, all things considered. Um, uh, you know, some other things here and there that just didn't quite hit the way I would like. Um, uh, I, I didn't finish Chernobyl. I was just not as compelled by it as, as I would have liked. I thought it was very well made. I thought it was... Um, yeah, that's just, I thought it was very well made, but I, I was not compelled by it kind of on a character level, I don't think, which is fair enough. I don't know if that's necessarily its its reason to be, but this, it just it didn't quite land for me. Um, so not, I, I don't think a banging year for TV, unfortunately, uh, but, you know, solid. Uh, my, my show of the year for, for TV uh, would probably be When They See Us on Netflix, which was the, uh, the dramatization of the... Um, uh, Central Park Five uh, story, mm-hmm. which is really, really tremendous. I think that's up there with the best things Netflix has ever done. So, um, thumbs up on that one. Um, uh, but yeah, not, 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 not blown away by TV. Why not? Scathing um, <laughs> report from Barry there. Um, if all the TV executives out there could pull their socks up for 2020, please, it would be appreciated. You've, you've had your warning. Um, so I will echo the love for When They See Us um, brilliant Netflix show um, really dramatic very kind of the final episode in particular was, was a, very tough to watch but dramatically kind of fantastic um, I would give a big shout out to Chernobyl um, which I really enjoyed I watched the whole thing in, in one run through mm. so it was very compelling um, also shout out to Derry Girls, the Channel 4 sitcom. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, some Girls in Derry, the second season was uh, on earlier in 2019. Very funny show, um, and a kind of nostalgic look back at um, the 90s, even though it was probably a <laughs> less nostalgic. I don't know, was it worse living through the troubles or now? Who knows? Um, <laughs> guess, we'll, guess we'll find out. Um but I'm going to give my TV show 2019 to a show that was in its second season. Um, it's a HBO show. It is Succession. Um, a show which had a very a very good first season, but really kind of ramped things up with season two. Um, especially the, the final episode was, was phenomenal. Uh, and I think that show is going to go from strength to strength. I think season three will be even better. That's my prediction. So yeah, Succession, my TV show of the year. Hmm. <coughs> what about you, Paul? Yeah, I've 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 watched some some hit and miss TV this year. I've watched some that I've quite enjoyed, and then obviously the big one that I really enjoyed. But uh, yeah, in terms of hit and miss, obviously Mandalorian. I've just talked about um, Game of Thrones, um, <laughs> which I, I I don't think I hated as much as a lot of people. I thought I thought it was fine, but then I was never huge into Game of Thrones in the first place. Um, I've really enjoyed what I've seen of Watchmen so far, but I, I'm still very early into that, so I can't exactly give that my TV show of the year like a lot of people have been. Um, I really liked Disenchantment Season 2. That was much improved than the first one. 
Um, I was very happy to see Rick and Morty return and really knock it out of the park on a couple of episodes. Yes. Um, Twilight Zone was another hit and miss one, but definitely had a couple of really good episodes in there. But the best of them all, which unfortunately didn't get um, the love that it deserved, the love of its predecessor, is uh, season three of The True Detective. Um, which I thought was a really, really fantastically acted and well-written season. Unfortunately, the stink of uh, stink of season two really killed um, the old True Detective hype. But um, ah, True, uh, True Detective season three is really great. If anyone is is looking out for that one little what, like, if you're stumped for something to watch, you've watched all your good shows. You finished Gilmore Girls. So that's uh, our TV show picks of the year. Also, shout out to The Boys on Amazon, which I forgot to mention. Um, tremendous show. Tremendous show. Not quite show of the year, but really excellent. Mm. Uh, so that's our, our, our first award. We'll jump in here quickly to the game Guff. Um, obviously playing a number of different games over the holiday season. I'll just quickly mention the, the kind of one new thing uh, uh, that I was playing. I fired up uh, Disco Elysium which uh, is a role-playing game available on uh, Steam, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if it's available elsewhere. Um, It's the it was a Game of the Year nominee on, on the Game Awards. I think it won uh, RPG of the Year on there. Um, and I'm about three hours in, and it's really good. You play as an amnesiac detective in a sort of uh, grimy, kind of dystopian, uh, sort of s- noir sci-fi kind of place. It's it's uh, It's got a, a real sense of style to it. The, the graphics are very... Um, almost kind of water painting e. It's a it's a very cool looking and sounding game, and uh, it's it's an RPG in, in a very traditional sense. It's um it almost feels like they've gamified uh, tabletop role playing game mechanics. Mm. Uh, you have a you have a very uh, very busy character screen with all your different stats on it. Uh, there's lots of dice rolls, so it's not like say uh, a Bethesda game or the Outer Worlds or anything like that where it's you know. Are you good enough to use this speech option, yes or no? It's a case of this speech option requires a dice roll and your stats reflect your chances of succeeding rather than just yes or no, can you succeed? Mm. Uh, That's that's the dynamic. Um, That's not my type of thing, typically. I've never really played an RPG like that. Uh, But so far, I am really enjoying it. Uh, Really great writing, um, uh, really great sense of style and place and, 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 and things like that. Because the uh, the little kind of uh, ugly little noirish town you're in, they've got like a labor dispute going on. Um, they've got this murder that you're tasked with solving. It's just it's it's a very cool setting. So about three hours in, I, I still have a lot to do, but uh, thumbs up on that so far. Uh, and I think everything else I played over the holidays I've already talked about on here. So yeah, cool. I um I played Jedi Fallen Order and I played the Outer Worlds over Christmas. Um, finished Jedi Fallen Order just in time to wrap it up and gift it to my brother. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, really enjoyed that. Um, didn't get a chance to really explore the levels like the game obviously wants you to. I kind of just did a, a straight main line through the, the main quest. 
Um, but yeah, I thought it was really well written. Thought the characters were interesting. It was kind of what I would like one of those, you know, Star Wars story movies to be, rather than, mm. you know, a retread of here's how Han Solo got his pants. <laughs> um, like it, it, it was like a clever original story with likable characters everything that the new Star Wars isn't <laughs> um, or at least those Star Wars stories movies were I, I, as, as we've discussed I quite like The Force Awakens and I quite like The Last Jedi um, but yeah it was great um, very difficult um, which was partially my own fault for Starting to play on um, Jedi Master difficulty, which is why like, did you do that? Because I was like, I'm good at these fucking games, so I think I played the first like half of the game on that difficulty, and then I was like, I'm against your fucking clock here. I gotta move this difficulty there. <laughs> Hurry up a little bit. Um, but now it was really good. Um, definitely had some God of War vibes for me. A lot of the level design kind of reminded me of God of War, the most recent one. Um. I thought it was going to be more Uncharted-y um, based off the train set piece at the beginning, but ultimately, you know, the game doesn't really go in that direction at all. Um, instead, it gives you much more exploration opportunities to do, which, like I said, I didn't get a chance to do, but still, I enjoyed the game a lot. I like the different varieties of locations you kind of visit. A lot of them, like I said, reminded me of God of War. Um, yeah, I had a really good time with it. It wasn't too long, just the right, just the right length. Um, there was one bit though where uh, they do a twist which is lifted directly from the original Star Wars movies and when one character was like oh yeah that person they're dead I was like they're absolutely not dead this is going to be a twist and then that's exactly what it is so um, if you have even the slightest knowledge of what Star Wars is, you won't be fooled by that twist. Trust me. Um, and then I've since Christmas been playing the Outer Worlds, the uh, yeah. the Fallout-like uh, game by Obsidian. Uh, loving it, of course. I'm a huge Fallout guy, so it's exactly scratching that little itch for me. Mm. I must be about 25 hours in at this stage. I'm very close to finishing it, I think. Um, so it's, it's like it's like those games, like a follow game, uh, with a bit more polish to it. It's a a bit better made, but um, it also doesn't have as much stuff in it to to collect yeah. or to do. Very um, focused. Yeah, like which which I appreciate because I don't at this point I certainly want a hundred hour game but what I like about Fallout is the little minutiae that you can like collect the bobbleheads and there's little little things like that to do in it outside of the main stuff um, so I like that the worlds are kind of condensed, it's not as big of a game um, and I really like the pacing of it in that when you just get tired of exploring it's like right we'll send you off to a place that's just like a big ship and there's no exploration, it's just like a town and then by the time you've done everything in that town it's like right we're going to send you off to a big open area and you can explore and see what's there. And that always keeps it kind of varied and keeps it interesting. Um, so really enjoying that. Um, my PlayStation, though, which is a launch console from... I got it right around the end of 2013, start of 2014. So not immediately at launch, but it's one of those, one of that batch. It's starting to, uh, starting to sputter a little bit. 
mm. it will uh, at random intervals just eject the disc that's in it. Oh, that's not good. That's not good because I have the Outer Worlds on a physical copy. So I'll be playing and the disc will come out and it'll go error. Or I'll be playing a different game. Like I'll be playing Pez, which I have a digital copy of, and it'll eject the disc. And even if I then remove the disc, it will just continuously eject nothing until I turn it off. So I'll be like 15 minutes into a game, which in real time, let's say I'm 10 minutes from the end of the game. I have 10 minutes of beep 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 you auditioning to be the new Star Wars robot I was about to say yeah well the PlayStation is I think sounds very similar so I bought a PS4 Pro which is going to be delivered this week I bought a white a white one because all the good all the good guys wear white and uh I'll get rid of the old one on um, fucking Dundeal.ie or adverts.ie or something. Because it works, like, it works. And this doesn't happen every time, but every now and then which is enough to be annoying to me. So I'm, I, I got a new PlayStation. Um, and I'm looking forward to playing that. And looking forward to playing games on it that I can play now, maybe, like Control, which I can't play on a launch on PS4. It's all shite. Uh, I finished. I finished control over the break. Man, it's uh, I, I, the performance gotten a little better, but the PS. I have to play basically everything with headphones now because the PS4 is just screaming in agony with everything I play. Yeah. Um, I uh, yeah. I, I I don't think I'll upgrade to the uh, the fo- the the pro. I'll be waiting. I'll just wait for the five. But I would. I would really love a new console to play Last of Us Two on when that comes out. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, it's uh, these these base PS4s are struggling these days. Well, given that it's struggling, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to, you know, we you can wait for the PS5, like you say. I'm scared though of the fact that it'll just like die one of these days, and I'll I'll be left with nothing. So, I figure, you know, PS5 realistically isn't going to be out for maybe another year and a half, and I probably won't get one at launch right away anyway. Um, so just a little investment. I'll. Well, it's out this Christmas. Is that is that? Yeah, they've said that. They've said that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I won't. I won't get it right away. Anyway. And then something yeah, for think, me to I play this... Last of Us and those on. So. I I think I'm usually with you. I feel like because they've and they've also confirmed it will at the very least have PS4 uh, backwards compatibility. Yeah. I feel like I actually might get this at launch just because I could still play everything I have currently. And as I said, I, I like this this PS4. It, it's I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of looking at it, going, "Are you going to like blow up in the next couple of months?" Yeah. Um, so I feel like depending on obviously depending on you know price and stuff like that. One thing about yeah. this um, Outer Worlds though is yeah, obviously it's it's made by Obsidian, who are now Microsoft aligned and owned. I tell you, that's maybe that's the first. Um, series that I, I would kind of look towards and go, geez, I better get an Xbox. I need to play these games. Yeah, That's a system seller for me. Don't give a shit about Halo. Don't give a shit about Gears of War. But if Outer Worlds 2 is going to be on Xbox only, I might need to invest in one of them. Yeah, when they um when they bought Ninja Theory and they've now announced for the, the next Xbox, the, the sequel to Hellblade, yeah. I was like, oh, because I have a, I, I have Game Pass on PC, but obviously my laptop is quite humble. Yeah. I don't think it'll be running Xbox Series X quality games on it. Um, so um, uh, yeah, and let me tell you, I like 
the console design of the Xbox Series X as well. I think it looks interesting. Same. Yeah. yeah. So that's the game, Guff. Do you want to talk that's about the, the best OTY when it comes to games? Uh, yeah, why don't you go first? Right, well, I think it's not been as good a year for games as it hasn't been for movies, but we'll get to that. Um, a couple of good games, obviously, that I mentioned already. Jedi Fallen Order, Outer Worlds um, have been really good. Pokemon, I, I quite enjoyed as well, but definitely had a lot of, a lot of problems with it. Um, and aside from that, there's not too many games that really stood out for me as being good enough to be in a kind of game of the year um, discussion. Um, so, that being said, my game of the year is What the Golf, which came out on oh yeah on uh, Apple Arcade, and I think it's out on Switch, although, or it's coming. I'm not sure if it's actually been released already. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh my god. I had so much fun playing that. I beat it 100%. Beat every single challenge in the game. It's quite long. It's surprisingly long. It's surprising. There's, there's a lot of content in there. Yeah. More than you would think. And the joke doesn't get old either. It keeps constantly throwing up new ideas at you and new um, ways of playing the game. There was one in particular where... God, I almost don't want to spoil it because it's so, so good. But there was one level where I looked down and it's just green. And I couldn't see. I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And... Because uh, previously the game has you like, you know... You have a little golfing man with a club, and you hit. It says, "Get in the hole," and you 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 know, flick with your. I was playing obviously touch screens on iOS. You you flick to knock the ball, but it's the man who goes, and you're getting the man in the hole. It's just like crazy, yeah, you know, random stuff like that. But um, it was just green, and I'm like, "But what?" Uh -huh. I could. I, I was waiting for something to happen. Nothing would happen, and what the level actually was was a first-person view using the, like, gyroscope of the iPad. Oh, yes, yeah. And you have to, like, hold it up and around. And I was like, oh, this game is so good! Ah, oh, brilliant. I absolutely adore it. From start to finish, it's great. I didn't play stuff like Resident Evil 2 or Control, obviously, so... That's all okay. for me. Uh, yeah, that's a, a, a great pick. Um... Some of the things you mentioned would, would be on my list as well. Um, I'd also mention Tetris 99 on Switch. Mm -hmm. uh, I put many hours into that. I still have not won, baby, but whatever. We won't we won't be too upset about that. Um, uh, Apex Legends I really enjoyed. Um, Mortal Kombat 11 was tremendous. Um... Oh, I feel like I've drawn a blank. There's been a lot, been a lot of good stuff this year, but uh, my uh, my pick overall would have to be Call of Duty Modern Warfare, mm. which is the best Call of Duty game since the last time they put out a game called Modern Warfare. Um, I obviously I don't play these games every year, but I've played them the last two years, and I kind of I pick them up sporadically on on the years where people say they're worth playing, and this this is definitely the most fun I've had since the original Modern Warfare like twelve years ago. Uh, excellent campaign, nice kind of 
just a couple hours long to the point decent writing good action really really impressive cutscenes with great character models and then the multiplayer is just uh tremendous i mean it's just it's it feels great all the weapon customization um is is satisfying and you unlock things at kind of just the right pace uh, it's all easy to do and easy to wrap your head around and they have all your your basic classic things you want out of a multiplayer shooter your your team deathmatch and all that but they're also cycling in and out uh, some kind of wackier modes for brief periods of time uh, they had a mode inspired by the movie series cranked uh, where when you killed someone it started a, a, a bomb on your chest and you had to kill another person to to keep the timer up and things like that um it's just really, really tremendous. It's like the, the I've I've put about twenty hours into it uh, across the, the the holiday period, and I I will absolutely be keeping going with it in the new year. Um, I absolutely love it. So that's my my game of the year. Cool. Um, my game of the year is Fishdom, uh, which is a mobile uh, game. It's kind of like Candy Crush, but it's set under the sea. And you have to match, uh, like, different ocean-related items. Um, I've been playing it for quite a while. I've actually completed over 5,000 levels uh, on Fishdom, um, which means that I'm actually ahead of the creators. Like, they've only made 5,000 levels, and I've completed all of them. Right. Um, So I'm kind of now waiting for them to gradually add more levels. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I play that an unhealthy amount. Uh, and I'm going to try and give up this year because it is quite addictive. Um, but that's my game of the year, Fishdom. Available on Google Play Store and probably on Apple as well. You can't. <laughs> I also played a good game called Grindstone, which is a Grindstone, a puzzle RPG, which is very good. I don't mm. know if Grindstone is out on uh, Apple. Mm. Uh, or sorry, so on, that is uh, good. Sounds good. It's Grindstone is really good. That is the game of uh, the year nod from ourselves uh, as we jump into the big old movie guff. We got lots of movie guff uh, to talk about today. Uh, let me see here. I'll run through mine fairly quickly. Um, I watched the first and the second of the new Jumanji movies. Uh, which I did not really know anything about other than people said they were better than you might expect. And yeah. I would echo the sentiment that they are, in fact, better than you might expect. Probably the best Dwayne Johnson movies I've watched in God knows how long. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. That's clearing a low bar, obviously. But, um, but yeah, the first one's on Netflix currently, so I, I stuck that on in preparation for the second. Thoroughly enjoyed. Good, good, uh, you know, romping good action, family action movie uh, with some with decent characters and some laughs and some really cool set, uh, set pieces. Um, and, uh, you know, a good cast. You've got your Kevin Hart rock buddy uh, comedy element. That's fine. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. And then I went to see the second one with fairly low expectations. I was like, all right, that first one is an aberration. There's not a chance the sequel to the Jumanji reboot is going to be good. But it was, again, and it was, you know, it, I think the biggest criticism was kind of just, you know, it was similar. But I think they actually did do some stuff to make it feel a little bit different, and they added some new characters. They got Danny DeVito in there, which was uh, which is always great. 
Um, and it was, I would say, as good, if not better, than the first, which I was shocked to see. And they set up a third film, which I actually was very excited for. Like, the tease for the third one was actually quite interesting and quite quite um, uh, exciting. Um, so that's that's got to be one of the uh, shocks of the decade, is those movies being all right. Uh, so uh, thumbs up on those. Uh, I watched Happy Gilmore because it was just on Netflix, and I said I'd stick it on. Um, And, you know, this is from the supposed, you know, golden era of Adam Sandler, when he could do no wrong. And it's good. It's all right. I enjoyed it, but... I still found he was—he is actually quite grating in it. I—I I think most of those kind of um, mid-nineties kind of well-regarded Adam Sandler movies, I don't think they actually hold up especially well under um, <laughs> under modern scrutiny. But it's okay. It's, the funny thing is, everything around him is actually pretty good. I think it's a—I think the nuts and bolts of it as as a, as a nineties comedy are actually pretty good. So it's all right. It's it's not terrible or anything, but uh, not not a must-watch. Uh, I watched uh, just yesterday. I watched The Gentleman, uh, which is the new Guy Ritchie movie in it, bruv. You silly little trico. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to bash your cunt in McConaughey, you effing yank cunt. Right, the old cunt. Oh, crikey, oh, I'm gonna have to blast your bollocks off, aren't I? Now, with the, with the song. pity about that, darling. Pity about it. Oh, I'm gutted. Uh, <laughs> but that is a a, a uh, in the uh, you know in some ways you could say it's a little bit dated. It's kind of just doing uh, the banterific Guy Ritchie uh, gangster film again. But that's all right. That's all right. Doesn't 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 need to reinvent the wheel. Um, uh, it's it's uh, just kind of. Uh, uh, kind of, it's some intrigue, some twist. It's actually told uh, from kind of from the perspective of Hugh Grant's character, which, by the way, this is the first thing I think I've seen Hugh Grant in in God knows how long. He plays a sort of sniveling kind of reporter, playing both sides against each other in some in some mob drama, and uh, I, I thought it was actually very very good. Uh, all, all all the things you would expect from this movie are in there and you have a great cast having a great time and there obviously mcconaughey is great and everything uh, so thumbs up worth worth a trip to the cinema for that one uh, and then i think the only other things i have left here oh no uh, i saw jojo rabbit uh which is the new uh taiki waititi movie mm-hmm. uh both d- directed uh, and written and starring uh, him as adolf hitler um uh, if you enjoy his films, you will love this. I think it's my favorite of his that I've seen. I think I've seen all the big ones. I saw Boy. I saw Thor three. Saw What We Do in the Shadows. There's probably some others I'm forgetting, but uh, absolutely loved it. Super charming, super funny. Uh, great cast again. One of the best child actors uh, performances I've ever seen uh, uh, in, the, in the leading role of JoJo. Uh, Really great Scarlett Johansson performance, which I was not expecting. Um, especially Rater, typically. Um, but yeah, funny and, and bittersweet. And in the early goings of it, it's it's very farcical and very satirical. And it's kind of just having a, uh, having a lot of fun in the World War II setting and, and having fun at the expense of the Nazis. It is, it is it, it thankfully has its more kind of uh, down-to-earth moments later on, which I appreciated. Um Really, really, really great. Just another wonderful film from a from a super talented director. Um, and also, bonus enjoyment points for me uh, when 
about 10 minutes in and about a half hour in when uh, two separate groups of families left upon the realization that this was perhaps not a family film. Um, I don't know how they made that confusion, but the first one who left, their kids must have been like six. Um, I don't know what they like. The movie's only rated 12, so it's not any kind of extremely... Uh, vulgar or, or offensive film, but it's. It, I would say it's. It's certainly not a child's film. Mm. Uh, so it's good. Uh, and yeah, and then the other things I think I have left on here are ones that the rest of us would have seen. So I guess we can chat about those together. Uh, who saw Knives Out? Ooh, I saw it. Uh, what's the make of it? I thought it was a bit of a stinker, to be honest. Why? What? Um. Yeah, I was kind of looking forward to it because I do I do like mysteries. Um, and this looked like a bloody good romp, but um, yeah, I didn't really like much about it. Um, I thought the characters were all quite vanilla. Um, I didn't think the mystery was particularly interesting. Um, stylistically, it was you know whatever. It's not really a mystery because you kind of find out what happens and then it's uh, yeah. farts around for a while until it brings back the mystery thing. Um, I thought Daniel Craig's character had very little about him apart from the silly accent. Like if you, if I had to describe his character, I don't really know what there was um, beyond that. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I'd say the average kind of episode of Columbo or Murder She Wrote would have more sort of twists and um, more sort of complex plotting than than that did. So um, Ryan Johnson confirmed fraud. Unfortunately. <laughs> anyway, did you uh, like it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the poor offices. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would kind of agree with, like, you know, uh, Daniel Craig's characterization and stuff like that. And, you know, style-wise, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot going on. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, it, it was... Um, uh, I did. I did like the characters. I, I liked, even though th- there is an intrigue throughout the whole film because they do kind of, they 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 kind of show their hand kind of early in a way kind of that you might not see coming. Um, I, I thought it was very satisfying the way it all tied together in the end. I thought it was funny. I, I, I thought it was intriguing, um, and I, I and it's a really tremendous ensemble cast. Um, just absolutely loaded to the gills with every, you know, you've got Tony Collette in there in a fairly small role, as it turns out by the end. You know, you've got uh, just absolutely loaded cast. Um, yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, not, I, I think I was maybe expecting a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, just because it was your know, Ryan Johnson's first post Star Wars thing, and obviously with the caliber of cast. Um, but but I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, we we could perhaps we, Paul would be the tiebreaker there, and and uh, when he sees it, he'll let us know what he it's thinks. What I, I I I talked about it on the podcast already. Before oh, we, either you saw it. It's absolutely one of my favorite uh, favorite films of the year. Um, <laughs> it um, I like. Here's uh, I'm not gonna say unlike the Ray Two, where Barry's absolutely wrong. I'm not gonna say that. Uh, yeah, I think it's you know it's it's okay to not like a movie, Joe. It's, I'm not. I'm not even saying that in a, like a passive aggressive way. I sometimes I don't like movies, and people are like, "What? You're fucking crazy." Um, <laughs> what I liked about Knives Out, I'll, I'll just say that is um, a few things. I liked all almost all the performances in it. I thought especially Michael Shannon was like tremendous in it. Jamie Lee Curtis, I, I liked her in it as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Barry already mentioned a few others. Daniel Craig, I liked. Yeah, I, one thing I liked about his character. I want to sit down for this one. Is um, I like that 
for all intents and purposes, he was a Columbo. He was a Praro. But the reality was that he was actually not that good as a detective. <laughs> like, it was all kind of a front and all kind of... The, the voice almost was to detract from the fact that he was really not that good a detective. And, and the film never really points to that or really um, brings it up as like a topic. None of the characters mention it, but when you actually think of what he does in the film... Yeah. He's not actually a good detective. He, he Just at the very end, he kind of goes, oh, uh, this is what happened. But like all the way throughout is just him kind of mm-hmm. going after other people and, and following their leads. Um, I like that... Um, the house itself was very well kind of mapped out and you could very easily picture where each of the set pieces was playing out. You could very easily follow your way uh, kind of through that. And I like I like that in movies when locations are very clearly kind of mapped out as opposed to like, wait, where the fuck are we? What's happening? Where's this place? Where's that? Um, and I just kind of like the vibe of it. I like the, the kind of irreverent caper nature of it. And I just thought it was really good fun. Um, so it's it's not quite my movie of the year. I think Joe and myself are going to be a lot a lot more aligned when it comes to that <laughs> one. But um, it was absolutely one of my favorite films of the year. Uh, and I think the other one that you and I have seen, Joe uh, Paul has not, uh, is the old Star Wars. The old, the old, get out of here, Ryan Johnson. You don't know how to make a movie. Get out of here. We're going to, we're going to get these 17 people to make it instead. Um, Joe, what did you make of the new Star Wars? Um, it was bollocks, but I, I enjoyed it despite the fact that it was bollocks. Right. I'll describe it. Like I, Why couldn't you do I, that for Knives Out? Because that wasn't it. That, wasn't <laughs> that was that was just bollocks. Um, I yeah, it, 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 the first kind of I don't know ten fifteen minutes of the film are ridiculous because it just whizzes through um, all of this kind of plot and all of this setup to kind of try and rewrite what happened in um, the Last Jedi, but also to set up this movie. Um, so you get this kind of ridiculous chain of events. Um, it just had me kind of rolling my eyes completely, uh, just just not into it at all. But then after that, it kind of gets into a, some kind of rhythm, um, and, it, and it and it basically it is closer to the Force Awakens. Nowhere near as good as the Force Awakens, but it's more like that. It's it's more kind of a straight bat, and a you know we're, we're trying to give you a, a soft reboot of the old trilogy mm. that's the kind of direction it went in it, it wasn't a particularly good movie but it kind of delivered what i would have wanted if say jj abrams had done all three movies um it kind of went down that path uh, it, it, there was a lot of stuff here. i don't want to you know get into too many of the spoilers, spoilers of course no, yeah, of course you know there's there's an over <laughs> over indexing on the MacGuffins. Uh, let's say in the movie I'll, I'll give one example there's like a it's kind of like a sith compass yeah i remember how they describe it but it was, it's basically some device that shows you something right which is just complete bollocks and doesn't belong in a star wars movie it's like something from uh, an indiana jones or yeah it's it would work in that movie yeah it's much more kind of a fantastical thing or 
you know, it doesn't fit this kind of movie at all. Star Wars is more of a, it's a sci-fi primarily, and it, it's about science. You know, they should be using a, I don't know, a tracker or something, not a, I don't know, ancient fucking compass that was built by some Darth whoever. It was just bollocks. Um, so I didn't like that aspect of it. I like the fact that, you know, all the all the new characters are in there, and I do like all those new characters, like Poe and, like, Ray, Finn, Kylo. Um, they got their, you know, their kind of opportunity to, to wrap up their stories. So that was fine. There were three good elements to it. The fan service as well. It wasn't actually that much, as, as much as you'd think, um, a few obvious bits aside. Um, but, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. And, again, like... Going into this, it's this the ninth movie of an of a saga. They're not going to do something completely different, and I don't think they should do something completely different. You know, I mean, either create a whole new series and a whole or a whole new different type of movie and do that. But if you're going to continue this storyline, it's just going to be the same old thing, and I, that's kind of what I expected going in. So I wasn't really disappointed. I expected just kind of more of the same. Wrap up this you know, end of this Skywalker saga, send everyone home happy, you know, confetti and the baby face goes over. You know, that's that's what it was and that's what I kind of expected. Yeah, I, I went into it obviously not expecting The Last Jedi 2. I think it was fairly obvious that that was not going to, that was not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I went in with, with tempered expectations. Also, I was about... Um, I just saw it uh, two nights ago, so I'm about a week late on everyone else. So I, I, I very much had my expectations tempered by other people's takes. But man, I just literally the first sentence of the opening crawl, I was like, oh boy, oh boy, this is going to be a thing. And like you said, the first 15 minutes are just the most tragic exposition conjuring up a plot out of absolute nowhere. Absolute nowhere. For like... Which, to be fair, I mean, they kind of did that in Force Awakens. Force Awakens starts and they're just like, all right, uh, the Empire's back. Don't ask any questions about it. They look the same. They all have stormtroopers again. That's what the universe is now. And you're like, all right, look, they're starting up this universe again. Whatever. We'll, we'll, you can kind of look the other way. Um, but this is like, you know, this is your big climactic chapter. And it's just the first 20 minutes is just, I, I was honestly, I was, this time was so funny. It's just, it's, there's a, an entire, like, an entire film's worth of stuff that you could have made a movie about is is discussed in the opening crawl, um, and then and then again in the in the first scene, it's just all they're just pulling stuff out of thin air, and then within the next twenty minutes, then there's a bunch of CGI Princess Leia shit, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, this is terrible. <laughs> they have like really re like like as impress as impressive as the tech is in some ways they just have really obviously not carrie fisher having this important scene with ray and i'm just like oh i this is gonna be so long and um uh, from there then you know it becomes a MacGuffin chase as you mentioned and that's uh, you know as as boring and uninspired as that is I feel like at the very least it's like hey, the movies it's okay you have your likable characters going on an adventure alright you know that's fine but it's that's then two hours it's just they, they are chasing one MacGuffin to find another MacGuffin for, for yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to get to your big climactic uh, uh, confrontation um, and there's just 
it's it's like a really depressing cynical vision of what what i think star wars fans want which is why they didn't like the last jedi in terms of soap opera twists and turns uh like there, there are people who just want to go to the cinema and they just want to have no I am your father moments 70 times. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, they just want quotable twists and turns. And it's so unsatisfying. And it's just, it's drawn in sharper contrast after The Last Jedi as well. Um, yeah, just, just really, really disappointing. Uh, there were several moments where I felt like I, I could have burst out laughing unintentionally. Um, at, at some of the decision making, uh, I, I will say that the climax of the film, like the big payoff of where the Ren and Ray story goes, I feel like broadly it's not bad. I I, mm. I think the movie kind of ends the way most people anticipated it would after the previous two. I think they more or less got that right. That's fine, but there's also a moment in in that big climactic scene that I absolutely despised. And then the film, the film ends as in before the cut to credits, which just the most annoying shit ever. And <laughs> honestly, this just made me want to just never. Just, I I wanted Star Wars to be done. Of course, it won't be. I'm not. I'm not. Um, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not a fool. But after this, I was just like, oh, let's let's have. Like what was the, what was the break between episode three and Force Awakens? I was like, let's have ten years off again. Let's have ten years off of not thinking about Star Wars, uh, because I, I was I was profoundly beaten down by this movie. Uh, so I I eagerly anticipate Paul's takes. I'll say that much. Okay. <laughs> So, what did you watch? I watched uh, just what was on telly. I didn't actually sit down to watch a movie at all over Christmas. Um, Despite the fact I got like 11 Blu-rays or something for Christmas. Uh, But I did watch Home Alone 1 and 2. Um, I don't think I'd ever seen Home Alone 2. What? Um, Yeah, I I was under the impression uh, that I had. I'd obviously seen just bits and pieces of it. But actually sitting down to watch it, I was like, wait a minute. I don't know any of this (laughs) So maybe I saw it was very young. I don't know. Home Alone One, of course, is a little gem. A little gem of film. Yeah. Um, I mean, Joe Pesci is the star. Joe Pesci get the opportunity to just fucking ham it up and you fucking rushing, rushing. His head is on fire. Oh, this is the, the same actor from the wonderful actor from Goodfellas and oh, all of that. Let me do it. Let me do a film where I just fucking hit in the head with a paint can. Fuck it. And he he just oh he eaten up the scenery. He's great. Um, Home Alone two, very strange film. Um, Pesci and uh, I think Daniel Stern is the name of the other actor who plays uh, his his accomplice. Are like they're barely in it. It's like it's it's Kevin versus like the hotel staff more than anything. They show up here and there, but they're not really much in it. Donald Trump obviously shows up for a second to go uh, down, down the hall on the left there. Oh, I'm in the movie. Um, I love your pointless. Trump. I, <laughs> I could probably do a better one if I was uh, so inclined. 
But um, yeah, I don't know. Home Alone Two is just very weird. Like Home Alone One is a very easy to understand concept, easy like to get. Right, kid left the home. People try to rob a house. He does little like to- traps with his toys and that. Um, you know, watch a movie, keep the change, a filthy animal, all that. Ah, oh, brilliant. Home Alone Two. Uh, the concept is there. You go, all right, he's he, he's the one who goes on holiday this time by accident. Got the dad's credit card. Checks into the hotel. Tim Curry's there. And then it goes kind of weird. Like he meets the pigeon woman, and he's. I hate out. the bird. I hate. Oh, the bird I don't know. It just kind of goes goes off on its own little tangent, and I just don't think it's. It's you know what it's like, and Barry's going to be angry at me here. It's like the raid one and the raid two. <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's a terrible comparison because those two movies in your opinion to the detriment of the second are completely different the, the, the Home Alone 1 and 2 are the same film it's just they realised uh, the fucking jabroni Max was out of life they won't, if you tell them that it's actually Kevin who gets on the plane they'll think it's a different movie but it's actually not a different movie it's I mean, fucking same you movie. are right to the point that Home Alone 2 was on and there was the other scene where the mother is like, go up to the attic and sit there and think about what you did. Yeah. That exact scene is in Home Alone 1. And 2. And it was on. And I was like, did someone put on the, like, plus one channel that this is playing again? <laughs> oh, no! This is Home Alone 2. And it's the exact same scene. Word for word, almost. And it's like, it's like that old, that Friends joke where... Ross and Joey want to watch Die Hard 2 but they accidentally got Die Hard 1 twice and like well, if you put it out again then it's Die Hard 2 that's actually correct for Home Alone that's the, that's whereas Die Hard 2 is shit but, you know. now the reason I use the, the comparison is that Home Alone 1 is, is it works because it's like confined to the house and so okay he goes out of the house and buys the toothbrush or whatever at one point but it's like it's in the house and all set pieces happen in the house and that's why it works. And then Home Alone Two is in is in the hotel, and it's in the the bird lady's house above the opera house or whatever. And it's in Central Park, and it's here, and it's, and it's just it, it tries to make it like like Die Hard Two to an extent. Tries to make it a bit bigger, and it's like no, the first one worked because it was like small, and because it was only this kind of one central location. Anyway, um, was there anything else that was on TV? There probably was, but I've already forgotten all about it. Um, but Home Alone 1 is and forever will be a little joy Chris Columbus he did a good job yeah he also directed the first Harry Potter film yeah wasn't that good also also good yeah very good mm-hmm. um, I, I caught up on a couple of 2018 movies uh, over Christmas um, I watched uh, Bad Times at the El Royale yeah um, which is written and directed by uh, Drew Goddard who of course did um, One of our favourites. What's it called? What's it called? Cabin, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Ah, one of my movies of the decade. Um, yeah, so this is like a thriller set in a hotel in the 60s, and there's a bunch of kind of oddball characters in it, and um, it's very violent. Um, it, it, it kind of reminded me of Tarantino, but kind of modern-day Tarantino, in that it was excessively long and boring, Ooh. and all the dialogue was... <laughs> really uninteresting uh, just really long kind of dialogue scenes but where no one's really saying anything yeah. it's, not, it's not particularly interesting um, there's, there's a few good moments in here but overall I found it just quite quite dull um, that's a shame, I, I remember seeing the trailers for that, I was like oh what's this, is true got it, oh, you got, you got your mm-hmm. ham is worth, you got your ham you got the boys in here, this is a good cast 
Um, and then, yeah, I think I think it was critically well received. Uh, a couple of people I know saw it were much the same as yourself, pretty disappointed. I never got to see it myself. I'm interested yeah. in checking it out, but I I don't expect a cabin in the woods. No, no, it's it's nothing like that at all. It doesn't have the kind of the wit or the the fun aspect of of cabin in the woods. You know, it's just it takes itself very seriously. I think it just just wasn't fun. Uh, I also watched Aquaman, which is the exact opposite. It <laughs> doesn't take itself seriously at all. Um, this was not actually that bad, Aquaman. Surprisingly. I, I quite liked Aquaman, actually. It's a, yeah. I liked it, yeah. Yeah, it's weird that they managed to do Wonder Woman and Aquaman well and completely fucked up Batman and Superman um, <laughs> of the Justice League. Um, yeah, it was quite fun. Again, it was similar to Thor, where I enjoyed the bits where he's on Earth, but as soon as he goes back to like his own realm, I just stopped, lost interest a little bit. I think it just looked quite silly, and it was just, uh, I don't know, I can't really take it seriously at that point. Not that you're necessarily supposed to, but uh, I just sort of lost interest of when you had Dolph Lundgren, you know, poncing about yeah. as an underwater, I don't know, count or whatever he fucking was. Um but that, that was fine. It was kind of distracting, and and Jason Momoa was really good as well. I think he's very charming and yeah, very very good action hero. Not something I expected of him is that he would kind of have you know be very charismatic in it. Yeah, I kind of figured him for just a kind of a lumbering plank of wood, like yeah, plank of yeah. He's good. They should have him be Batman and Superman as well. <laughs> yeah, have him be Batman. Just, the, just do all of the parts. That'd be good. Um, yeah, so there's one kind of thumbs in the middle, one thumbs down there from uh, 2018. All right. Well, speaking of 2018, it's time to move to 2019, i.e. what was the best movie of the year? Ooh, yeah. Let me, throw uh, out, let me throw out a couple of honorable mentions. Go on. Um, or do you want to go first, Barry? No, no, I think I went first. Uh, I can't remember who went first last time, but you go first. Right. I, have, I have a couple of honorable mentions that are obvious ones and then i have a couple of under the radar ones in case you guys or the listeners want to check them out so obvious uh honorable mention for joker which i really liked really really enjoyed um i thought it was like almost a horror film and super tense and obviously had a great central performance um really enjoyed that Really enjoyed Knives Out, which we spoke about already. I thought it was a very, very fun caper, a romp, if you will. Um, but we've kind of talked about that ad nauseum already, so I'll say no more. Uh, the Irishman, I really liked. I really liked everyone in it, even Al Pacino. And he nowadays is just a parody of himself. He's a monocle himself. Chino! But even he was good in it. She got a great ass! Every line I deliver, I say like this. But now he he was, he was like real good at it. Um, as Jimmy Hoffa, I, I liked I liked everyone in the Irishman. I thought the Irishman was great. Uh, fighting with my family, I mm. thought it was fantastic. Mm. I really adored it. Um, eighth grade um, was really great. I think Joe recommended that one to me. Oh yeah. Um, I was lo- loved it. Uh, really liked Avengers Endgame, though I prefer. Um, Infinity, Infinity War. War. 
I thought Endgame was a suitably well done climax to that to that saga. Obviously, I haven't seen how the other saga ends, but like they really stuck the landing on it. Um, I also really enjoyed Ad Astra. Um, and a little sleeper hit. Uh, it's not quite as high up my list, but I will give a little shout out to a movie that I didn't think that I would like, but I really did, which was Disney's remake of Aladdin. Yeah. Ed, on the other hand, Disney's remake of The Lion King get to, to fuck to the bottom of my list because that was a heap of old shit. <laughs> but Aladdin also, was really Dumbo, Dumbo was shit this year. Yeah, I didn't see them. I didn't bother. But Lion King sucked. Um, where's Aladdin? Aladdin was really fun. And big props to Will Smith because he did a great job of kind of reinventing that genie character while not kind of you know, stepping on Robin Williams' toes or, or doing it in such a way that he's obviously going to be compared to Robin Williams. He did a great job making it his own. Um, but my movie of the year, and i got to say, in a landslide, <laughs> I think probably the biggest, um, let's say, the biggest gap between the best movie of the year and the rest, probably in all decade. Um, there was really no, <laughs> there was no competition. There was one movie that was head and shoulders better than anything else that came out this year, and that is Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. Boom. Um. Oh, let me tell you, let me tell you that movie is so fucking good. And Bong Joon Ho is a director who's made uh, three films, which I've seen: um, Parasite, Snowpiercer, and The Host. And they're all fantastic. But Parasite, I think, is the best of them. And I hope it wins the best picture because it would be the first, I think it would be the first non-English film to win best picture. And for a Korean film to do that would be a hell of an achievement. And it's absolutely deserving of it. So creative, so unique, so clever, so tense, so funny. Everything. It's it's brilliant. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I don't say brilliant... I don't say it as, oh yeah, yeah, that was was brilliant. This was actually, by the definition, brilliant. Yeah. It excelled. It was excellent. Anyway. Joe, I'm interested. What's your movie of the year? (laughs) A few honourable mentions. There were a whole host of of coming-of-age movies uh, in the last year um, that I loved. There was uh, Booksmart. Um which was about two kind of teenage or high school girls about to leave, trying to have kind of one wild night before they finish high school. Um, there was Eighth Grade, that Paul mentioned. There was a kind of fabulously awkward movie uh, about a young girl, 13-year-old girl, uh, trying to navigate life uh, in high school. Uh, there was Mid-90s, uh, which was Jonah Hill's movie. Yeah, that's the oh, one yeah. I didn't see was Mid-90s. Yeah, Mid-90s was, was brilliant. Um just just beautiful looking movie and it, it was quite kind of simple in terms of you know it, it's not a plot and a character driven movie it's kind of more of a feel to it but that feel was captured just kind of perfectly mm. um so absolutely loved that uh, wildlife with jake gyllenhaal um it's brilliant as well um obviously notable the irishman which has all my favorite actors in it 
um, was them basically doing, as Paul mentioned, their their thing, the Pacino thing, the De Niro thing, the Pecci thing, the Stephen Graham thing, um, and being brilliant. Um, but movie of the year, um, there's a clear winner. I don't often like to use the word masterpiece because it sounds a bit wanky. Yeah. But when I saw this movie, what I thought was masterpiece. Um, it is Parasite. Um, it is the movie of 2019. I've still only seen it aboard an airplane on a tiny little screen on the seat in front of me. So I can't wait to see it on a proper cinema screen when it when it's released uh, in a few weeks' time. Um, yeah, just an absolutely brilliant movie. And I hope everyone gets to see it before there's too much more kind of coverage and information yeah and everyone knows what it is yeah yeah i just because it was such a surprise to go Go in blind if you can yeah and i knew nothing i'd read like a couple of line couple of line blurb on google and that was it i had seen the poster that was it (laughs) yeah that that's the best way to see it but yeah absolutely definitely 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 100 percent the film of 2019 and up there with you know the best films of the last decade uh, and this century to be honest it was great uh yeah i, I i'm a bit left out here i have not seen parasite yet unfortunately um i was raging there was a an odeon screen unseen a few weeks ago that i did not get a chance to go to and it was parasite and i was so oh. Oh, i was so disappointed when i found that out because um, oftentimes I'll miss it, and it's not anything at all worth going out of your way to see. But then sometimes it's a it's a sorry to bother you or a parasite, and it's great to see. So now I have to wait till February to uh, to see it on the big screen. Um, but uh, so yeah, I I, I reserve my price to to nominate that when I eventually see it. But uh, yeah, I I was blown away by this year in general. I'm looking at my list here. Looking at the I got the old letterbox here in front of me. Mm. Lot of shite. Escape Room, the Lego Movie Two that was dreadful. Um, like Hellboy. Oh my God, absolutely pitiful. Um. Some honourable mentions that you lads didn't mention. Uh, Missing Link. Still uh, haven't seen it. Need, oh, I need to see that. lovely. Absolutely to lovely film. Uh, Shazam, mm. uh, which was a good time. Uh, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man thing, which was, which was excellent. <laughs> Far From Home. Far From Home, that's the one. Uh, Ad Astra, which Paul mentioned. Ready or Not is great. Um, Hustlers with uh, Jennifer Lopez. Oh yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, excellent film. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, that's the American release. Le Mans '66 for us Europeans. Um, uh, Dolomite is my name, which is uh, really really great. Uh, but my uh, uh, favorite film of the year, uh, Spurs. Uh, I rewatched it there when it came out with the old VOD. Uh, just a lovely, charming, hilarious, unique film. Uh, nice spin on the on the uh, coming of age fi- uh, uh, genre, and just a really wonderful soundtrack as well that I have listened to constantly since I first saw this film. Uh, so yeah, thumbs up for for uh, Booksmart. Really, my my favorite film of the year. Yeah, um, I think Joe and I discussed Booksmart when I think you were off for one week. Uh, ironically, given that's your favorite movie of the year. Um, one thing I liked especially about Booksmart, I don't think I was uh, quite as high on it as you were. I, I did like it, but 
I thought it, the the stuff it did most well were like the dramatic moments, especially the big one about an hour into the movie. Really, kind of got a a, a visceral reaction from me watching it, like because mm. it did take me back to those kind of awkward teenage years where a moment like that can kind of th- throw your your night into a tailspin, you know, in your life it seems. Um, so I, I very much enjoyed the kind of the okay it's comedy and it's kind of a, a, a frothy comedy but the there are dramatic moments in it that are super well done better than better some of the drama movies that were made this year I'll tell you that much I never told by the way my my um, off the radar honorable mentions just three little movies Under the Silver Lake a very divisive movie it was um, it was number two when Mark Hermo did his worst films of the year list earlier this year um, I really liked it. I thought it was excellent. Um, Anima, which is the Paul Thomas Anderson Netflix short. It's only 15 minutes long. And Paul Thomas Anderson, who directed, of course, The Master and Phantom Thread and Magnolia and all them films. He um, he made it for Tom York. Tom York had released an album called Anima. And it's, it's a 15-minute kind of silent film short starring Tom York of Radiohead. And it's brilliant it's really brilliant it's only 15 minutes long it's on netflix check it out if you have a chance and then thirdly uh, a film starring willem dafoe as uh vincent van gogh which is called at eternity's gate which i really enjoyed as well hmm. and i thought he should have won best uh actor at last year's oscars which he didn't um, hmm. i don't remember what shite won it but uh he should have because he was the best Um, yeah, we will uh, jump in to our wrestle guff now. Um, but before we properly jump into that, shall we do? Uh, let me see here. Uh, let's do some awards. Uh, we've got quite a lot of awards to get to here. I don't know if perhaps we might need to do uh, Wrestle Kingdom next week or something because I don't want to be here all night. Um, let's do some awards here. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick some awards. I think I think we here. can just do the awards. Then. We'll, we'll cover yeah. the news next yeah. week. I think that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, what we'll do is much like the uh, uh, the the decades award, we'll 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 break these up here. We'll mix them up a little bit. Uh, we'll go positive, negative, and we'll save a stupid idiot of the year uh, for just before the total package. Uh, so let's start with the gimmick of the year, and this is. Uh, Open to interpretation, whatever, however you choose to answer the question, uh, whether you think it's a creative gimmick or maybe someone's performance of a gimmick, things like that. Um, uh, that can be uh, uh, your interpretation of it. So, uh, gimmick of the year. Why don't we start with you, Paul? Okay, um, I have a few honorable mentions here, and as yeah. far as gimmick goes, I think, especially as as I kind of got into watching more stuff like. New Japan, and even to an extent, the direction AEW goes. I think gimmick as a term to me kind of more reflects the presentation of somebody as opposed to what is their gimmick, what is their character. So, um, I've given some uh, honorable mentions to 
Um, the Jurassic Express. Yes. Oh, it's been a very long time since a wrestling company has taken three very distinct and very random people, put them into a team, and it kind of works and they kind of gel together and have. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know a, a good gimmick, I guess you'd say, but I I really like uh, how they've worked out all together. Um, obviously, David Starr and OTT, mm. which is very specific to people who are aware of who watch OTT. But David Starr has done some great, great gimmick work in there. Um, I don't know how many more years I can put Shayna Baszler on my list, but Shayna Baszler is still on there. I think she's she has her gimmick down pat, and she does extremely well. Um, and also, I've gone uh, Matt Riddle. I think he um, he's someone who could have very easily fallen into the RVD trap of being a one-note kind of stoner, whoa, dude, gimmick. But he kind of mm-hmm. hasn't. He kind of has kept uh, kept it a bit more interesting than anyone else with that <laughs> with that uh, ball and chain that I've seen in the past. But when it comes to gimmick of the year, there surely can only be one. And uh, not only is he is he le champion of uh, of AEW, but he is le champion of my gimmick of the year, Chris Jericho. He is undoubtedly the highlight of AEW every week. Absolutely. When I'm watching AEW, every time it comes back from break, I'm going, "Am I going to hear uh, Fozzie's number one hit, Billboard number one hit of the year, Judas playing?" <laughs> the single best theme song in modern wrestling and then when it doesn't play and someone else comes out I get all disappointed and then when it goes because he's always like he's effortlessly the most entertaining part of every show um, and whether it's with the inner circle with uh, the Spanish sex god or his little interplays with um, the silent and good because you should say that way um, Jake Hager and the whole little bit of the bubbly, Les Champions. I mean, for someone who n- didn't have this gimmick before, had another gimmick, and before that had a different gimmick, and before that had a different gimmick, it, uh, he, he's absolutely the, the Bowie or the Madonna of wrestling and how he reinvents himself. And it always works. It's always a hit. He's great. Chris Jericho. Good show. Uh, Joe? Um... I would echo the love for the Jurassic Express. I think they are just a really, really fun team. Uh, great chemistry and really kind of what you want from that kind of sort of level of tag team as well. One that can kind of be fun and be really entertaining. Not necessarily have to win all the time, but still kind of be really popular with the crowd. Um, I would say the resurgence of the Rock and Roll Express. Yes. Um, <laughs> Ricky Morton doing Canadian Destroyers and Dives. Um, he did it at Joe and Loads of Spring Break. They've done it on, on NWA as well. Um, and, of course, they appeared at, on, on AEW. Um, they were fantastic. Um, Private Party, been a kind of breakout tag team for me this year on AEW. Love their gimmick, love their whole kind of concept. Um, but gimmick of the year, I'm going to give to another AEW uh, star. Um, it's, it's someone who's quite polarizing, um, but who I think kind of embodies what it means to, to have a successful gimmick, which is that taking a concept and using that to get over, even if you're not out there cutting promos, even if you're not wrestling, just your gimmick gets the crowd going nuts. And that is Mr. Orange Cassidy. Hey. Ooh. 
Very nice. Excellent. Just put my hands in my pockets right now. Mm. Um, I would echo all of the of the picks so far. I think Jericho and Orange Cassidy are, are excellent picks. I like the Jurassic Express uh, quite a lot. Uh, again, going more with, you know, not so much an, an over-the-top gimmick, but just a nice presentation. I'd have to go uh, Moxley, uh, Rhea Ripley, um, Io Shirai, um, as, as some of the top ones uh, so far, Andrade also in that vein. Um, uh, but uh, my my personal pick for a gimmick of the year, something that, that Paul mentioned in passing, uh, I'd have to go for uh, David Starr. Um, uh, just with the way he is able to manipulate crowds and and convey a, a level of convey a level of him believing in himself and, and that character and, and, and all that he does. I know it ties into stuff he believes in real life, but it's just it's so well done and it's so compelling. Uh, and yeah, so that's that's my pick for for best gimmick of the year. So uh, that is gimmick of the year. I think that's a nice uh, eclectic mix there. Um, so we go from a positive uh, 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 moment of the year. Uh, to, sorry, a positive uh, award there for gimmick of the year. To let's go to flop of the year. Say. A hotly, hotly, hotly contested uh, trophy uh, every single year. Uh, this obviously, again, open to interpretation. You know, whether it's your personal distaste for something that got pushed or something that was a commercial failure, or however, you know, however you want to talk about it. Again, if you listened to our decade in review last week, you might be familiar with what our criteria are for these awards. Uh, so I think it went to Paul last time. Joe, why don't you kick us off here with the flop of the year? <clears throat> well, flop of the year, I've got a few... Well, there were too many kind of candidates that sprung to mind. There may be a few more as you, you guys reveal your nominations, but um, I had kind of three in mind. So first was Cain Velasquez. Yes. Um, came in, brought in as a huge deal into WWE and has, for all I know, uh, disappeared. I don't think he's been on TV since. Maybe that was always the plan for him to come in with a big appearance and then go away and train and come back. But it kind of feels like he came in with a lot of fanfare, beat Brock Lesnar, uh, and then just went. So honourable, dishonourable mention to Kane Velasquez. Um, My runner-up would be CM Punk. Um... Made <laughs> made his big return. Oh yeah! To the, to the world of wrestling on this WWE Confidential. I don't even know what the show is called, but on Fox Sports Two or whatever. Um, big fanfare said he was coming back to change the culture. Um, other than a couple of, you know, snide remarks. I think he's done anything that particularly noteworthy or interesting or newsworthy, and the the ratings for that show kind of dropped like a stone. Um, back to where they normally were so I think that's been a bit of a flop um, maybe it's expecting too much but when you kind of make that big return you kind of only get one shot at it uh, and he kind of did it on a C level D level magazine show mm-hmm. no, no one really cares about however um, number one flop of the year is someone who is probably on a lot of wrestler of the decade awards um, someone who's had hundreds of amazing five-star, six-star, seven-star matches uh, and is beloved by 
certain members of the wrestling media. Mm-hmm. However, this person, uh, in being part of a new promotion this year, has done absolutely bugger all um, in, in the second half of 2019. Oh. No, no good matches, no good promos, generally got involved in time-wasting shite. Um, it's Mr. Kenny Omega! Flop of the year. Wow, I think that's a, I think that's an interesting pick. I think I I don't know. I would disagree with that. That's very good. Um. Uh, wow. Okay. I'll uh, I'll jump in uh, next. Um. A couple of um. Uh, honorable mentions again, as 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 Joe did. Uh, picked up a little bit here at the end of the year, but I I would still feel the need to say the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles. I um, forgot they existed. Uh, I think the Kabuki yeah. Warriors are doing all right, but I think I mean the the Iconics, as well as just not being very good, just beaten into the ground, never pushed, barely on television. You know uh, the whole Sasha and Bailey fucking ugh, charade. I mean all all of that stuff. Just just not at all the the momentous arrival you'd want for those um, uh, those belts. Um, uh, again, uh, the um, uh, on that note, I would probably have to say the WrestleMania main event. Um, I I cannot remember being as disappointed by a match as that one. I I was really really um, really really disappointed um, uh, by that match. Uh, didn't at all meet the levels of, uh, uh, that we I think we had all hoped. Um, what else do we got? Uh, the Madison Square Garden uh, Ring of Honor New Japan show. Um, it's namely the Ring of Honor show. I wasn't in love with the New Japan half either. I, I, I thought the main event was too long. But in particular, I would have to say the Ring of Honor half of that show. I don't think anything encapsulates their year quite like that. Mm-hmm. Just a, a misfire, a real misfire uh, across the board. Um, but my uh, flop of the year, it's going to a wrestler. Um, as I get ready to sneeze excuse me uh, the uh, the flop of the year for me would have to be Mr. Seth Rollins so uh, so yeah um, just you know just I was always very pro Rollins but this was the year that business around him collapsed and he did not he did not hold it well uh, that that was that's more my issue than anything else is his inability to cope with the fact that that you know he is not the megastar he thinks he is and wwe is not the the booming business that, that he he might think it is um uh, and you know some 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 real downers in the ring as well i mean his his, his final moxley matches and 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 the the fiend stuff and all this other stuff you know so uh just the uh not not at a good time for for seth rollins mm. very good i had i had seth rollins on my on my honorable mentions i didn't have kenny omega but i think that's a hell of a pick um the one that i completely agree with um <laughs> But I have a flop that hasn't been mentioned yet. 
Um, my honourable mentions for flop of the year. Maybe it's not a flop because he was shite in the first place, but they tried him anyway, tried him again. Uh, Sean Spears flopped again. Oh, oh, oh very good, yeah. Cain uh, Velasquez I have on there. Seth Rollins, Kenny Omega, I agree with, as I said. The Dark Order, even though there's probably a little bit of recency bias there, but... um. Thankfully, that seems to have come and flopped and gone already. (laughs) Um, Because the Dark Order sucks. Um, And here's one that might be a bit divisive, but that I feel like, in comparison comparison to the NXT version, it seems like they had a real opportunity to come in and do something really um, exciting and and fun with. But AW's women's division... I consider uh, a flop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the biggest flop of the year was um, right around the time of the the Fox deal coming in and and SmackDown moving to Fox. WWE decided that they would shake things up a little bit by bringing in two men to run Raw and SmackDown individually. Oh yeah, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Um, so. When you hear, well, Paul Heyman, who is responsible for the one of the inarguably best creative times post Attitude Era in that like SmackDown of late two thousand and two, um, he's being brought in to kind of creatively run Raw. You think, okay, that's gonna be that's gonna be something exciting, something new. He's gonna bring us back to a time of, of good times. Uh, we've had the Lana and Rusev feud. And everything else has been completely indistinguishable from how it was before. Eric Bischoff lasted about a month, and then he went, right, I'm fucking out of here, goodbye. And, yeah, since that's happened, since they took over, the landscape hasn't changed much. If anything, it's worse than before. Um, There's been no interest sparked for me to to go back and watch Raw or SmackDown. So I have to consider the uh, the hiring of Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff as the flop of the year. Good pick. Good, Good pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bischoff just being such a non-entity when it was all said and done, uh, that was pretty hilarious. It really was. Yeah. Uh, we will flick back now. A bit more positivity in here, folks. Right? We're going we're gonna to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off. Uh, and we were going to uh, chat about the best moment oh. of the year. All right, in in a year chock full of them. Um, uh, I'll go first um, uh, on this one. Uh, honorable mentions go to uh, Devlin winning the title back in OTT against Walter. Um uh, Dakota Kai turning on Tegan Knox. Um, uh, Tanahashi winning in the main event of last year's January 4th show. Mm-hmm. Um, Okada revealing his little pants uh, <laughs> in, the, in last year's Tokyo Dome. Um, uh, Moxley coming through the crowd on Double or Nothing. Um uh, Chris Jericho saying a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
those are just uh, those are just some of the uh, of the honorable mentions. We could be here all night, obviously. Uh, but for me, my moment of the year has to be Kofi Kingston winning the WWE Championship from Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Uh, I rewatched that match there recently uh, for match of the year purposes, and oh my god, it's wonderful. The match is wonderful. The moment is is, is wonderful. Uh, seeing the crowd go crazy, just real earnest, heartfelt reactions from everyone involved. Um, yeah, really, really great stuff. Um, and that's my moment of the year. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, I'll go on here next then. Um, some kind of interesting moments here. I'll start off with some of the funnier ones. So... There was the Invisible Man match at Joe's. Oh, yeah. Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan, um, which was hilarious. And also at Spring Break 3, there was the No Legs Guy versus uh, Tony Deppin, which was um, quite a... Started off as incredibly awkward and cringeworthy, but then turned into something really, really uh, special. Um, There was... Ooh, little bit of the bubbly... Or as we did it on the Chair Shop podcast, ooh, a little bit of the bubbly. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, but my my kind of moment of the year, they're sort of split into two, but it's related. So, um, it's it concerns uh, John Moxley. It's his debut at Double or Nothing. Um, it's my moment of the year, but also. Um, the moment he released that that video of him breaking out of the prison cell, which was better than anything he'd done in WWE in years, uh, produced it by himself. Uh, and then also the follow-up kind of podcast interviews where he kind of took us behind the curtain and then let, let out years of frustration at how he'd, how he'd been treated in WWE. Mm. Um, so but overall, like a moment of the year will be his debut um, at AEW Double or Nothing, which was kind of anticipated but when it actually happened it was almost a relief that oh god yeah he's actually here this is this is going to be brilliant mm-hmm. uh, so it's a great moment great great moment yeah yeah um i think all of mine have already been mentioned already i think i have maybe one that hasn't um honorable mentions uh obviously but i think barry mentioned the dakota kai war games heel turn i thought was extremely well done very very good um, Kofi winning the big one. Um, I've also put in um, Cody and Dustin Rhodes reuniting after their match. Oh, yes. Um, probably would have been higher up the list if they had kind of built to it a little bit more. Because it felt like it kind of, they had the one match and then you know, the bad blood was gone already. Um, mm. But it was still like a powerful, you know, just Cody shedding a little tear. Ah, oh, tremendous stuff. But. Um, yeah, I, I wrestling at its best is when you can kind of lose yourself in it and get caught up in the excitement of something unexpected happening, like uh, like John Moxley coming through the crowd at AEW Double or Nothing. Oh my God, people can appear surprises now! Ah! <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was like it was like something from the the late nineties. It was brilliant. Yeah, because nowadays when people show up as a surprise. They're, you know, sitting in the crowd with a lower third on screen, explaining who they are. <laughs> now, have them come out and who dish got? Um, ah! bat- batter someone. Yeah, this is great. 
that's my moment of the year, John Moxley. Good shit. Good shit. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, that's our picks there for the moment of the year. I think those are some, uh, a lovely spread of uh, of picks there uh, and honourable mentions as well. Uh, so we'll go back here to the negative for the moment. Uh, we will, of course, be saving our Stupid Idiot Award for just before the Total Package Award. So I look forward to that one. Uh, before that, though, we have a very general award here. Uh, this is about as open to interpretation as it gets. I think we caught a lot of the uh, of the the worst awards because obviously for time, and also it's kind of hard. There's lots of excellent wrestling, uh, uh, you know, uh, to to keep track of. It's very very hard to keep track of all the shite, especially because I don't know about you lads. I've made an effort to watch less of the shite this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, and we used to do so a worst match, a worst show, a worst this. Yeah, we got to yeah. condense it somehow. So we we've done away with that, and instead we we will all get a chance to to vent and just declare a singular thing: promotion, wrestler, show, moment, idea, concept, maybe a trend. Uh, the worst wrestling thing of the year. Uh, I went the, first. It's the night. best new award ever. I'll uh, I'll defer to Paul here on this one. Oh, so many. Where do I begin? <laughs> so this is our brand new award we've never done this before worst wrestling thing of the year right let's start counting them out honourable mentions the Bobby Lashley Rusev feud oh controversial NXT moving to two hours and losing its soul uh... here's, here's one for you that probably some people have forgotten about but when I say it you'll You'll feel that bile coming up in the back of your throat again. As I say, Kurt Angle loses his retirement match to Baron Corbin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the wild card rule. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that um, Seth Rollins, The Fiend, Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. That's probably going to win some people, to be honest. Uh, Undertaker versus Bill Goldberg. Oh well, I never saw that, but yeah, the clips I saw were bad. It was <laughs> really bad. Um, and then final honorable mention, running the eventual winner very close, Brandy Rhodes. She yeah. sucks. Yep, yep. But the winner, only one thing could be the worst wrestling thing of the year, and it's a thing that started in kind of early to mid. Um, October and has continued right up until um, just a, couple, a few days ago and that is the production value of AEW's Dynamite show um, which annoys me every single week without fail when they cut to what is obviously a pre-recorded backstage segment and someone has to turn a knob to turn the volume up can you oh, have the yeah. volume up when the segment starts, please? Can you mic the people instead of just shooting it on a phone or something? It's like, that's the one thing they cons- consistently not get right. Um, and every time it reminds me, oh, even even for a show that I've really been enjoying, fuck it, these matches have been great, the promos have been great, Cody's shedding a little tear on the air. Oh, I can't hear what they're saying. Oh yeah, that reminds me. These lads are rinky dink and have no idea what they're doing. 
I was reminded. Thank you very much. I, 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 I got immersed in your show and cared about your show, and then you reminded me that you have no idea what you're doing. Thanks very much. Can you hire someone to produce your show for you, please? Hire a director. Hire someone who knows what they're doing. How can this still be happening three months into the thing? That's 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 something that happens in the first two weeks, and you go, oh, we have to fix that. Oh, fix it. They still haven't fixed it. Yeah, just this past week, they, they had more of that. It was, yeah, it was bad. I know! How? How can they still be having it? Ah, every week. That's a good, that's a good pick, I think. Um, what about you, Joe? Um, I'm going to lose my mind. So, wrestlers getting stuck in Saudi Arabia on the plane. Oh, yeah. That was, that was bizarre. Um, Fiend versus Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell match. Um, apps just awful. Awful, awful, awful. Um, it confirmed my suspicions that um, in wrestling, to be considered a creative genius, you don't actually need to have good ideas. You just need to have ideas. Yeah. As long as you have ideas, you are a creative genius. doesn't matter whether they're actually bollocks or not. Um, Triple H versus Batista from WrestleMania mm. was absolutely abysmal. But again, Triple H has this way of, of fooling people into thinking that he's, he's having good matches. Uh, simulating good matches, if you will. Um, but that was that was utter bollocks as well. However, my worst wrestling thing of the year was uh, Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle oh. in WrestleMania. Um, it, not not just the fact that Angle lost, but the fact that it, his kind of retirement was treated as such an afterthought, and that he's wrestling Baron Corbin. There was, there was nothing interesting about it. Nothing remarkable about this kind of great career coming to an end um and i was there in 2016 to see kurt angle's last kind of um uk tour with tna when he wrestled uh, bobby rude mm. uh, tv tapings at wembley and it was a fantastic moment you know he, he um had a great match with bobby rude and then they came out and they had you know milk afterwards and did like a, a beer bash with the milk and stuff and he did a great promo and it was really kind of touching and and really kind of summed up everything that he was about whereas this on the other hand was absolute dog shit fuck you WWE and not only did he lose Baron Corbin beat the shite out of him yeah in his retirement yeah. match yeah shite it was like a squash match basically what did it go like two minutes or something well, yeah. yeah, it was just like yeah, a couple of minutes, like it was a TV match, and not a, not a good one. And there was no post-match thing or anything. It was just he stood there and he got some applause. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking up the time now of it. Uh, it probably went longer than I remember. Uh, yeah, six minute and five seconds for Kurt Angle's final ever match. Um, my worst thing of the year, uh, you know, I think I think actually there was a decent amount of um, uh, stuff covered in, in your picks and also in your your honourable mentions. Um, wrestlers on Twitter always bad. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, the the ultimately fairly mediocre ratings of AEW and NXT on Wednesday nights. Um. Uh, has been fairly disappointing to uh, to see uh, WWE's presence in Europe, uh, just getting their fingers in everyone's pies um, and all that. 
I still just vividly remember the third night of of 16 karat gold in Germany this year when they played that fucking a, a WWE PIR video where it showed basically the whole WXW roster trying out and there's Regal and there's Brookside and I was like oh the Canyon Seaman was in that video inexplicably um oh brutal absolutely brutal uh Brandy Rose who obviously got a mention there earlier um uh Jim Cornette's continued presence in wrestling um, but my uh, my worst wrestling thing of the year is uh, the fiend. <laughs> I know, I know you don't like the fiend. I really, I really don't like the fiend, and I, I, I also, I hate the fiend, and I also hate that there's people who think he's good as well. That's the other thing that bothers me. <laughs> um. So f that. So yeah, that's our worst wrestling things of the year. Um. So there you go. Uh, let me see here. Uh, see, we move back here to the goods. We'll, we, you know, we've had our negative. We're back to the goods. Uh, match of the year. This is a big one. Uh, do, 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 do. Joe, what's your match of the year? <coughs> wow, okay, match of the year. Um, there weren't too many standout candidates for me this year. Um, I would say Kofi versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania was brilliant, uh, particularly because as, as much as you know Kofi got the moment, it was also a great moment for, for Daniel Bryan as well, finally having that really good WrestleMania match, which I think he'd um, deserved for a long time. Um, Oscar versus Becky Lynch from Royal Rumble last year was oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic, one of the best women's matches of the year for me. Um, Okada versus Suzuki from Royal Quest which I was lucky enough to see live. Probably one of my favourite New Japan matches ever, partly because I was there live, but also just absolutely brilliant match. Um, I said runner-up from Double or Nothing was Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, which was real kind of old-school storytelling, wrestling, bleeding, you know, everything you could want. Rhodes versus Rhodes, brother versus brother. Um, kind of brilliant, brilliant match. However, my match of the year and... This probably won't be bothering too many people's lists, I wouldn't think. But it is Private Party versus the Young Bucks from AEW Dynamite. Um, back in October, I think it was. Quite sort of early on, it was the tag team tournament quarterfinals. Um, Private Party defeated the Young Bucks in a huge upset. And it was a match that just had me kind of marking out. It had me feeling like a fan again kind of cheering on Private Party, wanting them to win, and when they finally did, it was just such a magical moment. Um, and so that is why it's my match of the year. Yeah, cracking match. Uh, real star-making match. Yeah. Um, let me see here. My match of the year... Um uh, yeah, uh, lots, lots of great matches. We talked a lot about on the show, actually, because I think the advent of AEW means there's been more good wrestling that we've that we've gotten to actually talk about on this show, which is good. Yeah. Uh, Cody and Dustin, things like that. Private Party and the Young Bucks, uh, Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers ladder match, um, uh, and all that. Uh, obviously, all the OTT matches. Paul and I have have been lucky enough to witness live and in person. Uh, my match of the year, though, is not something I got to see in person. Uh, but my match of the year is Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi from the Best of the Super Juniors final. Um, it was absolutely tremendous. Just like envelope 
pushing in its in its spectacularness but also really uh, grounded in a way like it was not a stunt show even though it was this high-flying affair i think shingo is perfect for that kind of match and obviously osprey is just like one of the most spectacular wrestlers in the world uh, i loved that match i rewatched it there last week and it is just astounding um and i i absolutely love it so that is my personal match of the year uh what about you paul um yeah i i had a match my match of the year is one that um i think is uh, got a bit underrated by a lot of people when it came out when it came out when it happened (laughs) when it was released um because it was it was um surrounded by so many other great matches and i think it kind of got lost in shuffle but i remember watching it and really getting caught up in it really enjoying it um honorable mentions uh, Shingo Takagi against Will Ospreay as Barry had as his match of the year um, also um, Ospreay against Okada from the same uh, from the G1 sorry from mm. Japan um, the first John Moxley Juice Robinson match from the Best of Super Juniors final oh yeah yeah um, I think Walter had some very good matches Walter versus Tyler Bate from NXT Take UK TakeOver Walter versus Devlin, Walter versus Star from OTT, Walter versus Pete Dunne from Takeover New York, um, Star versus Devlin, obviously from OTT fifty year anniversary, um, any of the AEW tag team spectaculars that didn't include SCU or the Fallen Order, so um, any of the other teams, they're all great matches. Um, Cody Dustin, as Barry mentioned as well, but my match of the year was from the G One. Uh, night 18 I believe and it was a hard hitting fast paced affair which is what I like in my wrestling um, Shingo Takagi against Hiroki Goto oh wow I did not see that coming was my favourite match of the year oh it was so good it was only 15 minutes long which is maybe why some people haven't ranked it up with the you know the epics of the year but god what a fun 15 minutes they had yeah, that that's a tr- yeah, that was a tremendous sprint. And you know, New Japan they got a lot of long matches, a lot of long matches. That was a that was a tremendous sprint. Yeah, wow. I I would not have picked I would not have picked that one, but that's a, a, a or I would not have guessed that one rather. But that's a, a a tremendous shout. Um, I was looking on um obviously people's year end lists because I know I had that in my head because I've remembered it so much has happened. It's, it's been one of my favorites, and. A lot of people gave it four and a quarter stars, which is a great rating, of course. But it's not even wasn't even people's like top fifty of the year, which mm. to me is underrating. I thought it was really, as you said, a, a, a sprint. But like they they beat the piss out of each other for fifteen minutes. It was great. Yeah, and that's Shingo on two match of the years. So he's the boy. He's he's tremendous. He's the boy at the moment. But then he was kind of even underplayed. We won't talk too much about Wrestle Kingdom, obviously. I I figured he would have, given the year he had, had a bit of a bigger role in Wrestle Kingdom. But anyway, yeah, especially with two with two shows. Yeah, um, uh, that that was disappointing. But yeah, no, he's he's excellent. Uh, and him in New Japan was exactly as great as, as, as people anticipated. Yeah. Uh, we'll stick on the positive here for the moment, and we will go with show of the year. Uh, I'll keep this one short and sweet. Um, for me, 
uh, I, I think it's an obvious pick, but I think it's one that, that everyone really enjoyed. Um, I will be going with Double or Nothing from AEW. Uh, just the right combination of great matches and, and a big-time feel and, and that feeling that anything can happen again in wrestling. Uh, just a really spectacular fight, and I really enjoyed it. Sure. Um, I'm the same. Okay. <laughs> AEW or nothing. To be honest, there weren't really any other shows that I would, would put up there. Um, I'd say NWA Power, kind of as a whole. I just really, really love that series. Mm. Um, don't know that I could pick out a particular episode of it, but just overall, that would be... Every every episode is an honourable mention, but yeah, when it would be double or nothing, just, just a fantastic show, just the kind of the feel of it. Great matches, great moments. Was was brilliant. Delivered completely. Uh, and I had a W double or nothing as a honorable mention. Uh, honorable mentions: A W double or nothing, A W all out, um, New Japan's G One. I thoroughly enjoyed. Pick any of those shows. I think probably the best individual day was like day three or something. Mm. But um, lots of great great combinations on the g1 like every day you had a great little two-hour show because i wasn't watching the uh the tag i was only watching the g1 matches every day a little, a little two-hour wrestling show that you could enjoy what a novel concept but my show of the year was nxt takeover new york which was a show that i think almost everyone i spoke to about it had a different favorite match and when you can have shows that so many people have different favorite matches from you know it was a good show this is the one that had war raiders against alistair black and ricochet in their farewell to nxt velveteen dream matt riddle walter pete dunn in that like 26 minute great match uh, Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kyrie Sane in a four-way, and the first Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, two out of three falls match before it became kind of boring, because um, I really didn't enjoy their second or their second one at all. But this was a hell of a show, and I enjoyed every match on it a lot, and it was great. Alrighty. Um, and we wrap back around here to our final negative award um, of the year. Uh, it is the Stupid Idiot of the Year Award. This one is fairly self-explanatory. You know the deal. Who has been the biggest, stupidest idiot in professional wrestling this year? There are so many contenders. Um, uh, lots of uh, lots of missteps in pro wrestling. Lots of uh, people making a buffoon of themselves. Um um and, and what have you so uh honorable mentions well my my uh decade pick vince mcmahon i think that's still good um i'd like to uh, i'm out there for an honorable mention for the 2019 uh pick uh similarly you know triple h william regal any of those fucking stooges um, all of the all of the NXT UK people who cry about how they work so hard for the British scene, and oh, NXT UK works in tandem with the British scene and all that other drivel. Um, all those people they get an honourable mention. Seth Rollins gets an honourable mention for what I said um, uh, earlier. 
Uh, the honor, uh, another honorable mention goes to uh, Tony Khan for some of the buffoonery from AEW this year. Uh, some of the silliness, some of the unkept promises, uh, the weird ITV situation back and forth there before television started. Uh, and uh, on that note, my my stupid idiot of the year is the AEW social media guy. <laughs> <laughs> For AEW's continued bad social media, which at one point early in the year led to him first of all no one knew who he was he was not a known person but then he insisted on claiming responsibility and then posting his phone number and saying anyone could call him if they wanted to talk about it which was great and then i think like last week he like, had another meltdown and deleted his account um because uh, people kept telling him correctly that his social media was bad also honorable mention again to the young bucks because they also deleted their their twitters but the aew social media guy is my stupid idiot of the year oh dear good pick very good very good um all right i'll get through mine quickly then um honorable mentions Enzo and Mori and Big Cass, despite being fired for more than a year, they somehow still pop up in the news every now and then, always after doing something stupid. Um, Ring of Honor management's in there. Uh, Vince McMahon, as Barry said, he thinks bringing the XFL back is a good idea. Take that as you will. Um, Nothing made me laugh as hard this year as uh, Alberto Del Rio being knocked out or (laughs) choked out by 80-year-old Tito Ortiz and losing his fake WWE belt to an old MMA man. Um, CM Punk for throwing his values right in the bin. Um, uh, Well, actually, I'm working for Fox, not working for WWE. Mate, that's a technicality, and you know it is, and you've... Given your 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 values and given everything you care about up for an, on a technicality of a legend you recommended you. Um that's a very obscure reference. I don't know if anyone will get that one. But CM Punk, um Yeah. He's an idiot. Um Jeff Hardy. Oh, oh yeah. Um and Jeff Hardy would have won it if it were not for a very slight detail, and that is my stupid idiot of the year. Is Jimmy Uso? Oh. Now let me tell you why. <laughs> Jimmy Uso was arrested on a DUI in I want to get this correct here in July of 2019, like four days after John Cena on Raw made a DUI joke to the Usos. Stupid. To me, that is the very definition of a stupid idiot of the year. Jimmy Uso wow. has to be. Has to be. Good pick. I'm, um, I'm amazed he wasn't so, fired, to be honest. Yeah, just just back this week, funnily enough. Yeah, mm, just, just returned. Interesting, interesting. Um, I've got two big picks. Um, first is Mr... James E. Cornette, who um, put, really kind of tarnished NWA Power, a show which I was really, really loving by being a complete idiot and making stupid kind of racial comments and then refusing to apologise. Um, on the plus side, though, he was replaced by Wade Barrett, so that was that was good. Good to see him back. 
Um, however, my stupid idiot of the year goes to Mr. Seth Rollins um, for his frequent stupidity on Twitter. Um, the comments about John Moxley um, trying to eat his dinner or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Um, calling Will Ospreay little guy. Yeah. Um, just many other stupid things that he said uh, and done. And just and and his whole title run as well. And the way he was portrayed in that. Came across as an idiot, both in real life and as a character. Well done, Seth Rollins. Alrighty. Um, I think that is a, uh, a, a damn fine spread. I think we've done well there. Um, as we move on to... Um, uh, the big one. The, our last positive award and the definitive award here on the, the CSP Awards. It is the Lex Luger Memorial, except he's not dead, Total Package of the Year Award. It's exactly what it says. This is uh, this is your uh, your wrestler who brings everything to the table. Does anybody they have the talk. list of the, the past winners to hand? No. Joe's usually good for that. Uh, you know, your Daniel Bryan's. I think Randy Orton won it his last good year. Um, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens won it Kevin one Owens. year. Um, AJ Styles. That that level of uh, of guy or girl. Um. So this year, uh, I had two top contenders, and uh, one of them I think is better at the talking. And better at, at that aspect of the game. But the other one, I think, just runs laps in terms of volume of incredible matches. So my runner-up, my runner-up, and this was a very tough decision because these, these are not similar wrestlers at all. So it's very tough to grade. My runner-up is David Starr. Uh, for his, you know, we've we've been lucky enough to see so many epics of his in person, myself and Paul. Uh, I got to see him wrestle Walter twice this year in Ireland and in Germany, which was special. Um, just incredible wrestler, incredible depth to his resume. He's had great matches everywhere, basically, this year. And obviously, he has this tremendous character stuff down. That's why I got him denied in uh, Best Gimmick. But to me, it's just it's impossible to ignore my actual winner you know he's getting better at the old talking he's not quite at the level he should be at but um getting better at it but he just has the most comical cv of of a stacked just dozens upon dozens upon dozens of excellent matches um it's uh, my pick for for the total package is will osprey um, I mean, competing in both the best of the Super Juniors and the G1, and we got to see him in OTT this year. Just and you know, he was in you know the New Japan Cup. He had that match at the to- at the Madison Square Garden with Jeff Cobb. That was great. He had the Tokyo Dome match with Ibushi. I mean, it's just his list of great notable matches this year is as long as your arm. Um, and he's my he's my total pack of the year. <laughs> It's a good choice. Um, Paul, do you want to go last or now? I'll, sure, I'll go now. We'll, we'll leave the yeah. best for we'll leave the best for last. Oh, um, oh, right, honorable mentions for me. Um, people who had extremely good matches and people who I consider to be the best in-ring wrestlers of the world, but who maybe aren't what I look for for the total package, which is someone who who has the matches, who has the look, who has the promos 
presence, who's a star, you know, all of this stuff. So, Shingo Takagi obviously was in two of our best matches of the year. He got to be pretty good, I suppose. Um, I'd have him up there. I would have Phoenix, who I mm. consider to be the best wrestler in the world. Excellent, yeah. I would have Will Ospreay. Um, and then moving maybe to the more charactery side of you know, I would have um, Chris Jericho. I would have both Jordan Devlin and David Starr. I think they're pretty about as good as they're going to get now. They're top of their game. And I would have uh, AJ Styles, who I gave, of course, my decade award to. But my total package of the year, I tell you, was a real turnaround because I might have had this person on last year or the year before's person I give least of a shite about award to or someone <laughs> I didn't think was particularly good award to but um, this year especially in the second half of the year they showed that they can do really good kind of technical based matches like sped up you know fast sprint style matches they can do the emotional drawn out matches they can do they can do the promos and I, I didn't really rank their their promo skills before but they can do some of the best promos in the biz they they come off like a star and I didn't think they were before my total package of the year and he's had a hell of a second half of the year is Cody Rhodes and he ain't afraid to shed a little tear when uh, when he needs to make the the blue turn into green. Let me tell you, that's hey, that's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great pick. I think I think I think he's a, a an excellent pick. I tell you, um, a year ago I didn't rate Cody Rhodes at all. Um, he's yeah, he really in my eyes really turned himself around. <clears throat> Uh, what about you, Joe? Wow. Comes down to the uh, final choice of the evening. A um, few honourable mentions. One to Mr. Darby Allen. Yes. He's not someone I was that familiar with, but his work on AEW has been brilliant. The the whole kind of presentation, um, the, the promo is fantastic, and I think the wrestling has been really good as well. And I kind of wait to see kind of where he goes in the next few years. I think he could essentially be a winner of this. Um in next year, year after, uh, Will Ospreay, as Barry mentions, one of the the best goddamn wrestlers in the world. Um, just just mind blowing uh, bouts. Um, I think if I was a bigger kind of fan of New Japan, I'd probably rate him even higher. But I don't kind of you know follow the the shows that closely. I only watch the kind of big ones. But yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, John Moxley, who broke out of that WWE prison and had some some really interesting angles matches. Bit disappointed that he's not come through with the kind of or had the opportunity or come through with the kind of promos that I think he's capable of. Um, the one he cut on Dynamite this this past week was very kind of perfunctory. Um, it wasn't much to it. Um, I would give a real honourable mention to Mr. Chris Jericho, yes. who, as uh, Paul kind of alluded to earlier it's just the highlight often of, of dynamite he's just so funny he's interesting he tries new things he, he does a pretty good job in the ring considering that he's what like 58 or something now <laughs> um, but yeah overall he is he is still le champion still fantastic um however my total package of the year is someone who's had 
really good matches. And every time I see them on on TV or on pay per view, they seem to have a good match. Um, someone who's got some fantastic promos uh, and also been involved in some really really fun angles as well. Um, it's someone who, if you told me they were going to win this award several years ago, I would have thought you had gone absolutely crazy. <clears throat> My total package of the year is is Parasite all over again because it is <laughs> Mr. Cody Rhodes. Wow, there you go. Amazing. So the winner by majority vote, <laughs> Cody Rhodes. I, I have no problem with that. I think that's actually, and I, I didn't even think about that because he, I was thinking about him for best gimmick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's had some good matches too. Um, yeah, I think that's a great pick. I think that's a, a, a damn fine CSP uh, total package. And I, um, I have a controversial opinion. It does fall into 2020 though, but I enjoyed Cody and Darby Allen from this week's Dynamite. Not more than, but as much as anything on both nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Wow! Wow! That is a wow, that wow. is a spicy take. But that 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 uh, that Darby Allen that was a great match. Uh, better than their first match as well by by a considerable uh, yeah, amount, I, I would so. say. Um, yeah, Dynamite was uh, was back in a big way uh, uh, this week, uh, and so that's that's it for our awards. I, I I would say weirdly enough, I feel like I was a little bit more positive on wrestling this year than TV or movies. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is which I was surprised by. I I think um, I think the launch of AEW for all its faults um, uh, is is great, and it's it's nice to have free, accessible, major league wrestling that's of that quality is great. And then also then you know obviously with your New Japan and things like that, there is and and then your Indies, your OTTs, and your Riptides, blah blah blah. You know. Um, uh, such a such a, a wide you know spread palette of easily accessible wrestling of all styles and NWA power as well coming along offering something a little different MLW in there uh, yeah just just a, a lot of actually great wrestling happening this year uh, or this past year rather and uh, 2020 off to a good start with the uh, with dynamite and the Tokyo Dome so far so yeah uh, that was our. Uh, 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 awards show uh, we're gonna have another special edition of csp uh, next week because that will be our uh, predictions show so we are going to be um eating last year's predictions which i do still have saved here on my phone and we are going to be making new predictions um as well uh, and also we i think you know because we can get that done fairly sharpish we'll we'll um we'll also have you know tv reviews we'll talk about wrestling yeah. kingdom and stuff all the usual stuff will be back uh next week so uh, that is uh, that was a really fun show. Looking back on 2019, thanks as always to my host Paul and Joe for having uh, great picks. I've enjoyed these two award shows uh, quite a lot. If you didn't listen to last week's, I would recommend that the decade in review stuff was was good fun. Uh, so it's uh, Chairshot Pod uh, on Twitter, ChairshotPodcast.com. If you want to get in touch via email, uh, at the Barry Lab, at Paul Griffin CSP, and at Griff Tannen are the Twitter accounts. I'll say good job to Joe on last week's artwork for picking the absolute worst picture of me to use. <laughs> um, for the 2010 version. You looked grand. You looked grand. <sighs> okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, we'll be back next week with uh, with the predictions show and with your regularly scheduled programming. So uh, until then, it's going to be goodbye from me, uh, Barry Murphy. It's going to be goodbye from Paul Griffin. Good- goodbye, and goodbye from Mr. Joe Tanner. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>